Serum Visions is a Magic the Gathering podcast about iterative brewing. Each episode, we work on a project, a deck, strategy, or archetype that we think has room for exploration and brew to the fringes of competitive deck building. In this episode, we discuss some of the turns that indomitable creativity decks have been taking recently. Pun intended. Zach takes a crack at Song of Creation, while Arun is putting polish on the grinding breach. Have a sip of your Blink Moth Tonic and open your third eye. This is Serum Visions. Welcome to episode 28 of the Serum Visions podcast, coming to you from the other world from which you are being gazed. I am one of your hosts, Brian Madden. Joining me is a man who taught himself to channel the Dragon Rage, Arun Singh. How are you, Arun? I'm doing super well, and you know, I wouldn't. I did not want to teach myself how to channel the Dragon Rage, but I've been waking up at like 3.45 a.m. to play in these 4 a.m. challenges. And it's rough, you know, 345 is early. I like early, but 345 is early. Yes. Uh, so I've been trying to channel the Dragon Rage to give me, the Dragon Rage to give me some energy. It's pretty exciting, though, because Zach has also had an early morning with me while we were playing in the early morning challenges and PTQs. So we're both probably very tired, so this will be fun. A <laughs> little bit, a little bit messed up. That, actual, that, that picture of Dragon's Rage Chandler is actually immediately after an espresso enema. <laughs> <laughs> Things you shouldn't do. Things you shouldn't do. I mean, make you is, that, is that statement going to get us an explicit rating? Let's find out on this episode <laughs> of Serum Visions. I, she definitely, she looks very unhappy, that's for sure, in the art. That's all I know. Well, when you're filled with dragons, you've got a lot of pent-up rage. <laughs> no, it's, it's dragon's rage, all right? Let's get this clear. It's a pet peeve of mine. It's not dragon's rage's <laughs> channeler, all right? Dragon's rage channeler. The channeler is channeling a dragon's rage, all right? Mm, we clear? Respect. All right. Most all right. Yes, right. now we can. Now we can. It's memory deluge. Not deluge. Not deluge. Deluge. Or deluge, if you're American. You can say garage. I won't hold it against you. I mean, I will, um, but... I'm just going to not pay attention to that and just do what I've been doing. Memory deluge. That sounds about right. Close enough. <laughs> as long as it's not the, the, the emphatic deluge, that, that's, that's the one that, that's the tilt for me. Isn't that Respect. that song from Beetlejuice? Deluge. <laughs> deluge. No? Oh, my God. <laughs> Banana Boat song? <laughs> so good. Wow. Okay, so we've officially we're 28 <laughs> episodes in, and the singing has started. We're going to have to go back and listen to old episodes of The Dive Down to figure out when they first started singing, but uh, I think this is it. We've, we've made it. <laughs> uh, okay, so also joining us is Emissary <laughs> of Sarah's Emissary, Zach Ryle. How are you, Zach? Let me tell you something. Sodek... Sodek, the master of dread, showed up today with Belcher, and he ain't know what hit him. Cause bam, Sarah's emissary on artifact. What you gonna do? Did you I already him? know you don't have an out because you played recross the paths, and you showed me you don't have an empty the warrens. You got nothing, nerd. Pack it up. Go Ooh. home. Sick. Yeah, 
I'm just, I lost to him in the Swiss. It was, I mean, he turned to me on the play, which is like yeah, pretty yeah. dirty. I, I, I mean, I had to play very, very tight, and I got very, very lucky. At the end of the day, that's the absolute truth. Um, and I think that the player that he is, I mean, he's a plan of the, he's a fan of these super powerful, very linear decks where sideboarding and sideboard juking is like 90% of what the game is. Uh, and I think he would respect the fact that I played tight and I got lucky. That's how you win with these decks. And that's yep. how you win against these decks. You, you sideboard tight, play tight, get lucky. If you have to mold a four, for a functional hand, mold a four for the functional hand. If that's what it, it, what it takes to find the cards that are actually going to win you the game, then that's what you do. As we say, Zach, live by the sword, die by the sword. <laughs> well, that's what you say. That's what I, I say. I just want to play mopey mid-range creatures and draw cards. Go away. Stop no it. Way. No that, swords. That's how I live. <laughs> so, uh, it... it did you guys know it was PTQ season? I didn't know it was PTQ season. Nope. Apparently, there were multiple Pro Tour invites available this weekend. And uh, I was not aware until basically I was playing for one. Yeah, I also did not know. I had I had QPs. I played in the... I. Yeah, I had I played in the showcase and I played in one of the ones, the one on Friday. It's like, oh, you know, like I can do this and I have the QPs. And I was like, oh, there's one on Sunday, but I did not have the QPs for that. But yeah, I mean, I love this. You know, bigger. Give me the them big tournaments. Yeah. Right, and the, the high stakes are great for you because you're preparing to go to fabulous Las Vegas. Oh yeah, we are. I got my tickets to Vegas. I actually just have to buy my tickets for the event, but that should be relatively easy con compared to everything else. But yeah, I'm going as to as long as it doesn't cap. Yeah, I'm probably gonna should do that after this. But I'm going to CFB Vegas. I'm super excited. Uh, you know, I definitely I would. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would feel more comfortable if it was a vaccine mandate as opposed to uh, just vaccine you know, or yeah, positive or test. Positive, yeah, but I also yeah. I recently got or my negative test. Sorry, I recently got my COVID booster though, uh, so right. I'm extra, nice. extra, extra immune. And even if I wasn't, you know, these for me personally, this is it's all just evaluating your own risks. And for me, going to this kind of event, just like it's less of a, it's not as much of a risk enough to bother me and prevent me from not going. You know, I also like don't really hang around like. Don't really hang around much with people who are higher risk or, you know, just like I'm not around any young infants where if I were a asymptomatic carrier, you know, like I, there's pretty much no there's no direct ramifications for like people directly that I know. Like it seems relatively unlikely. For instance, Brian, since you have a little kid, if you were an asymptomatic carrier, it actually could be a huge issue. Yeah, that's the only reason I'm not going. Yeah, very right. responsible. Well, for those who are going, uh, do the best you can to stay safe. But uh, we respect your your choice to uh, go engage in this activity because you never know what's around the corner in terms of this stuff. And it's being held in, I think, a pretty responsible manner. Uh, but before we get to your deck selection and all of that, um, we have a little bit of meta stuff to, to be able to talk about. Um, there is the Saturday Modern Challenge has been posted up uh, by Bamzing as well as that first PTQ uh, that I played in, that I made a pretty deep run in, uh, almost so made top eight. Spoiler. I know, I know, I know. It was a, it was a heartbreaker on stream. Uh, it was won by Chalice Control, but half the top eight was burn. <laughs> Did anyone see that coming? Nope. No, I mean it, it, this happened like, in the show. The showcase was like three burns in the top eight. It just burns been like it's true. really yeah, popping that's off. True. 
Yeah. Everybody's and, and, getting but ready to go to Vegas. But last week there was very little. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, you know, uh, it's a solid deck. You know, Eidolon's a scary card. Like, turn one Goblin Guide, turn two Eidolon, you kill the Eidolon, they go like Swift Spear, Swift Spear, Rift Bolt. You're like, oh shit. Fun fact the two Hammer decks in the top eight there, I played against both of them. I played against five Hammer Time decks, yeah, and only insane. one of them beat me. And Nako, Nako, Nako was the one who beat me. They made top eight, uh, and I beat uh, Will Kruger, ex-Whale, uh, in on my way there. So um, uh, that was that was very cool to see. So it was a half burn, then two hammer times, uh, four colors, Sky Noodle mid-range, and blue-white control was the top eight of the Friday PTQ. Wild. Yeah, and Amulet Titan was in ninth. Uh, they've been around a whole bunch. No, 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 uh, no, no, more no, than no. you'd expect. I was told that that deck was literally unplayable. It's unplayable. It's I mean, unplayable. Canister stopped playing. It must be unplayable. I respect anybody who's still getting out there playing the deck that you love. Uh, actually, big shout out to Contra Ego. He, uh, he took a run at the challenge today, and I think he went one two drop. But you know, he's out there he still did. playing. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> but the he made a six. He made a six two run on. On the um, on the Friday, he's actually listed here in 14th place. That's yeah, yeah, awesome. he was he was like 5-0 at one point. I was like, oh shit, is he gonna go yeah, for it? He was, he was, and 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 again, like uh, he was playing his Urian version of uh, Urza Blade. It's listed here as Saga Blade, but like 80 card non Urza Thopter Sword combo. Who knew? Yeah, who knew? He's been into it. Um, yeah. So so general meta notes, I mean, the the format is just so wide open and there is room to get greedier than the greedy decks as long as you have some respect for the hyperlinear decks and there's room to build a via like pretty much unseen hyperlinear combo deck like Jiggy has done and take the world by storm. I got killed twice by Dredge today in a league. Uh, two different versions, too. One with otherworldly gaze, one without. Nice. I don't know what to say. Yeah, it, it's it's really strange because it feels like the meta is pretty solidified in terms of, you know, like, I run into a, I run into a bunch of hammered time, I run into a bunch of burn, I run into a right. bunch of blue white, I run into a bunch of rhinos. But there's still, you know, just like so much random shit and just like random shit pops up. And there's also... Having having played, I think, in five premiere events over the past, I think, four weeks. Maybe it was the past five. I forget. So like, I've been doing a lot of challenges, and which yeah. have been really, really interesting because it's so different from a league. Like, not only, not 100%. just, not just in the skill level, but in terms of the decks you face. Like, I think, and one of the last, I think, in the Friday PTQ, I played like Hammer Time three times. I faced Rhinos twice. I faced Blue White twice. I faced Burn ones. It was just so homogenous like much more homogenous than in leagues you know like zach's getting dredged yeah, you know, twice in the league now you, you don't run into a lot of eight rack in, uh, <laughs> in in the challenges yeah that's the other thing you know like the thing i realized is that one of the strengths of these linear combo decks like show decks deck two and also like the blue red breach deck you just crush nonsense like if they're not interacting with you you just crush them like an ant it's like most games aren't even close and unfortunately there's there's not much nonsense in the challenges well, you, that's you got to bring the nonsense. You I'm are bringing the nonsense. The nonsense. I'm Be trying, man. Be the nonsense man. you want to see in the world. 
It's hard, Brian. I'm, I'm it is it. hard. I'm in it to win it, baby. I'm uh, with I'm with Jiggy. I'm I'm sailing my own ship. Yeah, I mean, I okay. So I we, we will get into this, I think, in more depth uh, as we move along here. But I would contend that the Indomitable Creativity deck is no longer uh, this rogue element. Uh, I I do think that you have made it your own, and I, I don't <laughs> want to to put you off of it in any way because I know your predilection for lesser-known decks, but I think we've seen it, that it's got it's, the stuff. It's still unknown enough. I think I could count the number of mirror matches I've faced in a league on one hand since since Strixhaven. That's the thing. Fair. Since Strixhaven, I can count the number of mirror matches I've run into in a league on one hand. Um, I ran into one mirror match in a challenge, which was against um, X Phoenix X, uh, whatever his screen name was. Phoenix, as we usually call him. Uh, and then in leagues, it's been like two or three times. Once while I was playing in Ele- on Elementals, I ran into Zan Syed and crushed him while playing. Uh, uh, he was playing uh, Four Color Creativity. I was playing Elementals. And he had no backup plan to getting his Emrakul solituded. Brutal. <laughs> so I would, I would argue that creativity is no longer rogue, but I would definitely still consider it niche. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely not a popular deck. Yep. Uh, although it did it did crack the top ten metagame uh, decks on uh, Goldfish at one point, um, which is you know that I mean whatever that means you know right right because that's pulling from a, a very select chunk of data because mm-hmm. um, after the top six and I think we can all agree on this after the top six staples of the metagame and let's call it generously let's call it seven because I think Burn deserves our respect at this point. So you've got your Hammer Time, Merc Tide, uh, Jun Sagavan, which I feel like has fallen off a bit recently, although is there weird, is one in the PTQ that still made really top good. eight. Well, there, it's still really good. There was one in the PTQ that made top eight. I think just a lot of people don't have the patience for it. Um, so you got Hammer Time, Merc Tide, Sagavan, uh, the two Cascade decks, and Blue White, Blue White Control. Yeah, and then Burn. And Burn, I think, has sort of emerged as a foil to blue-white control, uh, and probably to a lesser extent Jund. As long as they don't get like a really big Shadow Spear, Tarmogoyf thing going on, I think Burn actually probably has a really good matchup against Jund, especially if they go turn one uh, Fetch Shock Thoughtseize or uh, land into DRC with the Thoughtseize in hand that they were planning to cast. Uh, Thoughtseize is a really bad game one card against Burn. And I would so. argue that Burn probably just, it's not just that Burn has a lot of good matchups now, where especially if Burn is on the play, is I feel like you're automatically 50% against most other decks at that point. You know, even like the, what is it, the four color Sky Noodle mid range, like even Elementals doesn't have a great Burn matchup, even though they play well, like El- Elementals. Elementals got so, I feel like Elementals got so complacent with the idea that they could spend the first three or four turns of the game doing literally nothing unless their opponent forced them to. The number of times you run into someone and they reveal Kahira and you find out they're on Elementals and they go, turn one, land, go. Turn two, land, go. Turn three, land, go. And then turn four, Risen Reef with a white up. And there there are some decks like Blue White Control that are just like, I can't beat this. How can I beat this? I can uh. never beat that. I have a, I get a feeling uh, of supreme relief when my opponent reveals Sephira, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, like turn one Temple Garden Utopia Sprawl. I'm like, hot damn, like this is great. There's no chalice. <laughs> There's no chalice. They have no clock, and like game one, they have literally nothing. Watch out for Fury and Solitude, and you're fine. Game two actually yeah. sucks, though, because they bring in like Alpine Moon and Rest in Peace and like Endurance and Force of Vigor. It's insane. They have every single hate card. It's nuts. 
It's brutal, man. Yeah. Fighting through hate yeah. sucks. Yep. And uh, and then I think another honorable mention is probably um, uh, uh, Uh Oh yeah, black yeah. green sacrifice. I think it's listed as on goldfish, but everyone knows it's it's Yogmoth people. It's Yogmoth combo. Um, I'm. Uh, I, I am very impressed with the the performance out of Yogg lately. Um, just given the amount of exile based removal, you know, it had been doing well before Modern Horizons Two was printed. It got a lot of great new support in Modern Horizons Two, but it also got a lot of great hate against it in Solitude and Prismatic Ending. Um, you know, sure, Young Wolf is actually a wonderful card in a lot of matchups like it blocks ragavan all day uh you know it it comes back if if it gets uh furied but man young wolf on one eat a prismatic ending strangle root geist on two you get in some chip damage prismatic ending and then you're just kind of sitting there like uh well i got a bunch of mana dorks that's a pretty that's a pretty good draw from your opponent to have double prismatic ending against you and i I think the thing that that yagmoth gets to do so well is one it's kind of like um amulet titan in that it's super redundant yes uh you will top deck one of your 11 yagmoths after the first one dies don't worry about it uh, if you have a Yogmoth, you will top deck one of your, what is it, like 16 different ways to put another Undying creature into play. Uh, so don't worry about that. Uh, and then things like Prismatic Ending are very, uh, like, tempo medium. If the opponent got any value out of the creature that they played, like, Prismatic yep. Ending it is not a great feeling. Um, so, like, Prismatic Ending has its weaknesses. I think people are starting to figure that out. And uh, Yogmoth is a deck that kind of takes advantage of that on the on their beatdown plan. Uh, then there's the infinite ways people have been customizing it through sideboarding. We've seen Abzan, we've seen Jund, we've seen Four Color. You know, uh, going for Magus of the Moon, going for different white sideboard cards, or just some people just stick straight black green and, and try to have slightly cleaner mana. So it Crazy. is a very powerful, very consistent combo deck, and. Anyone who played the old match of blue-white control against uh, Amulet Titan knows that having, like, Path to Exile to foil your opponent's Primeval Titans, that's not always going to win you games. For Um, sure. Sometimes you can get all four of them, and that's great. But most of the time, you probably won't, and you will get beat. So, uh... Brian, so you've been playing Yagmoth, right? But you haven't been having the best of luck with it, you mentioned. Uh, I think last time we spoke played it at my last uh modern event and i just i drew lands 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 uh for like multiple matches in a row i've been having this weird phenomenon where when i play in paper um my deck collates so like i'll pile shuffle to make sure everything gets spread apart and then i shuffle the piles together and then i shuffle 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 and then like i'll rip three or four of the exact same card off the top and then I'll rip three uh, or four of the the next card off the top. So, so uh, have you thought about mana weaving, Brian? I have not, <laughs> but I, I actually did start to wonder, like, am I doing something? Like, so I know that this is just, like, I should go out and buy a lottery ticket, given the given the like runs of threes and fours that I'm seeing. I re- I recognize that this is not anything other than sheer dumb luck. Um, but I did look into could I possibly be shuffling in a way where I'm doing something wrong. And I read this article about like the statistical differences of shuffling, and it turns out I may actually be, be doing something. I don't remember the precise type of shuffle, but if you are too perfect in your shuffling, 
Like if you actually just get uh, alternating cards, like you know, one from right. left pile, one from the right pile, and you do it too perfect, it's a particular type of shuffle, and all it does is kind of slide the, the cards around back and forth. Yep, um, yep. It's all algorithms. Once so again. So I, I learned that the the riffle shuffle, unfortunately, is the best way to shuffle because there's a lot more variance in it, and I've actually started doing that in paper with my cards. Um, and wait, wait. You mean you mean like? Yep. Where's my paper deck? Yep. I, I need a deck Brian, with fetch lands no, so I can show you guys on camera me bending them in half. No, yep. no. A bad, bad. Nope. I, I'm sorry. Bad. I got old frame fetches and I'm not afraid to bend them. It's You're all so, monsters. What the hell? <laughs> well, I figure... All right, so there's two benefits here. One, my shuffling should be better. I should have more random distribution. And two, my opponent is going to be so fucking tilted that they will not be able to play straight. Yeah, I would definitely... I would... I would absolutely to be watching my opponent pile ship. Yeah, that's that, how I do it why? too. Yeah, if you do why it sideways you? like that, it doesn't really hurt them. I would never do it like. No, yeah, um, this is this is the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. That, and there's no, actually no. to to be to be fair, one if we're gonna talk about shuffling for a second. To be fair, if you have a surface to do it on, there is actually a way to sort of just like drop the cards, so you're not actually putting pressure on the middle of the cards, but you get essentially the same. Uh, output of random uh, ones and twos mostly, and then two, uh, you you can always do the uh, the legacy player thing, which is you stand the deck on its short end. Uh, uh, what is it? Opening up, and then basically you just like mash them in, like just very gently. And if you do this like on a table, you don't put like any pressure on the cards at all. Mm -hmm. They just slide past each other. Um, so, Wait, so what's the there's between, great shuffling techniques out there. Then what's the difference between doing it, you know, just like in your hands, just kind of essentially, it's pretty much just like a riffle shuffle, except it's just, you know, you take them, you flip them in the same direction. You yeah, it is unless you're too good at it. So that's, oh, great. that's I'm not too good at it. That was yeah, exactly. Like I'm, I'm a force of chaos. Like I just pick up different numbers constantly. Well, um, and I, I've gotten in the habit because I live in a grinder city of doing the, the grinder shuffle. You, you look off in the exact opposite direction of your oh, deck. Yeah, you stare always. at the person sitting to, next to you, and you're you're viciously shuffling. You're looking at them right in the eye, but you're not actually looking at them at <laughs> yeah, all. You, you look it's pretty like a little you bit creepy. You look, you look a little scary right now, Zach. Not going to lie. I respect it. Uh, no, and before we get people writing in to tell me I'm an idiot, I recognize that like all of this is placebo <laughs> effect and... Uh, I just I've had some some bad luck in paper, but yeah, my my paper experience with Yagma this last time was pretty abysmal. Just some really bad draws, and um, yeah, by like round three, I was just off it, and so I just conceded to my third round opponent and busted out the uh, the um, grilled cheese Asmo Emrakul de deck, and uh, was just like, you know what, I'm gonna play this for fun instead, and uh, she was on. Um, the glimpse deck and so we just had oh, a hilarious time uh, drag racing each other and not interacting with one another classic modern yeah well that's like before we leave before we leave the meta discussion just got to give a big shout out to uh, talisker who won today's or sorry yesterday's saturday challenge playing something that bamzig labeled as jeskai moonblade uh this is four copies of chalice of the void Four copies of Blood Moon, 23 land, Teferi Time Raveler, Stoneforge Mystic, Spyro, Fury, Bonecrusher Giant. Wow. Like, it's 
I yeah. You, I also I don't understand this. It, it's like Jeskai Sagavan, but they said like, well, what if we were Fluffy Wolf's favorite combination of cards, Chalice of the Void and Blood Moon? Uh, what if that can that be? A, is that a deck? Is that a deck? Does anyone is that a deck? Does anyone know? And uh, yeah, apparently yes, yes it is. Uh, Talisker, big shoutouts. They top aided once upon a time uh, with Black White Urza Saga Nettle Cyst Stoneforge oh, Midrange. That um, they have four O to prelim with uh, Glimpse of Tomorrow. I mean, this this player they just they can play anything. They play it all exceptionally well. They play Bruise. They play. Uh, meta decks, off meta decks. I mean, whatever it is, they're they're just all over it. So, uh, big big uh, big props to them. Great brewer and clearly uh, talented grinder. Um, but yeah, so so meta game, you know, largely unchanged on the top of things, but still, again, constant room for uh, people to do wacky, wild things that are you know exactly the right call for the exact correct week. Um, but for things that are uh, speculative and crazy, Brian had a deck for us uh, with Song of Creation that I took uh, out into the leagues and, and tried to see if I could make any improvements on. So I think we'll uh, talk about that in just a second, and, uh, and then uh, and, uh, we'll see how that all went. And we're back, and uh, talking about song creation. So, for those who don't remember, this was one of the... I think this is like, the second card that Jiggy and I ended up having a very successful deck with. Uh, although, we didn't start with it as a song creation deck. We started with it... I don't even know how we started with it. Uh, I know I, was I porting introduced a leg- the concept of I was Card porting, the Great Creator. Yeah, I was porting a legacy deck where... Uh, I trophied one of my friends made this the Kinnan Astrolabe all the Moxes deck and I right. 5-0'd with that and I was like huh this is sick can we put this in my like I would look at my hand and be like you know like Mox Opal Oko like uh, Chromox just like Snowcoverland Astrolabe Kinnan it's just like you know if these cards weren't banned this is like this deck is probably modern legal <laughs> and I was like okay like what if we try if we port it to modern we do get Renin 6 so I ported it to modern and I think I was talking about it briefly with Zach and Zach is like we need one more payoff he's like Karn it's like okay so then added Karn as the last payoff and we just like we wrecked it was amazing it was just yeah yeah we did one so of well the last, one of the last additions to that deck was Song Creation which ended up being added to the deck with multiple copies we started off with like just one or two and then it ended up being way better than most of the other things and it got us got down this road of experimenting with this card so this was an ikoria card uh one green blue red it's an enchantment it says that you can make an extra land drop each turn very important uh, whenever you cast a spell draw two cards okay that seems cracked in half uh and, and then at the end of each turn at the end of each of your turns discard your hand uh, so, you know, small downside there. Uh, at the time, we had things like Uro Titan of Nature's Wrath <laughs> to play out of the graveyard. Yeah, yeah, uh, that uh, was a good time. Um, and not then, fair. yeah, so since Astrolabe got banned, that deck was non functional. 
Uh, we had a bunch of song creation decks after that fact uh, that played Uro and were semi-functional. Uh, usually the plan was either to draw through your entire deck and play Thassa's Oracle to win the game, or uh, there were versions where you created enough mana that you could play Karn the Great Creator and get a time sieve. Um, this version, as Brian uh, talked about last week, is actually using the card Conflagrate um, for a bunch of reasons. So Conflagrate, known for its fame in Dredge, is a single red XX uh, which deals uh, X damage divided as you choose on, on over any number of targets. The most important part of this, of course, is the flashback for red, red, discard X cards. So if your hand, say, say, had 20 cards in it, and you play red, red, and discard 20 cards, you can dome your opponent Boom. 20. Yeah, seems like a good, clean way to win. Uh, it is better in Thassa's Oracle on a lot of axes because <laughs> you can discard it early in the game. Well, I mean, exactly. Like, they, I mean, it's not hard to be better than Thassa's Oracle as a payoff, but just so we're clear. Well, in, in Song of Creation, Oracle. Oracle's a great payoff, yeah. but when <laughs> I've had so many times fiddling with these shells where it's like Thassa's Oracle's in your bottom four, and you're just like, fuck. Yeah, or you, or you draw it too early, and yep. it, something happens, right? It gets thought seized, you, you play it, and it dies, you're planning to bounce it. Uh, that, or you have to include cards that can scoop it out of your graveyard, like Noxious Revival, that are not that good in other situations. I mean, sometimes they're fine, but anyway, we, we tried a whole lot of stuff with this deck. I was really impressed by this idea of Brian's that was playing both uh, Asmorana, Marduk, Dyson, and Kuldakar with the cookbook pass package with Urza's Saga, uh, some uh, Ragavans, Strike It Rich... Uh, which is a, a, a single red sorcery that creates a treasure token and it has flashback for two and a red uh, with Kinnon expressive iteration. And then on top of everything else, the, uh, the beautiful, beautiful cream cheese frosting uh, of fury and endurance, um, which was super techie and awesome. Um, so uh, I played a five, uh, five, five game league with this uh, and a two, three, and I think a lot of the problems with this deck were kind of things that I would have identified as problems going in, um, which are anything like Blue-White Control and Sagavan. Those, those decks are just going to kick your butt uh, by either like taking you apart little piece by piece or just being better at a sort of grindy game than you are um, and uh, trying, to, trying to resolve a four-mana enchantment in Modern right now is a big ask if most of the rest of your cards are medium to low value. Um, but, but to, to wit, uh, in round one, I beat Esper reanimator playing four X chalice of the void. Uh, in game one, they went chalice zero chalice one. And, uh, well, I Oof. lost that game. Um, but <laughs> in, in both the other games, they had at least one chalice out and I was able to beat them. Um, one game by going off through my deck and while I couldn't cast any one-mana cards, what I ended up doing was casting, and I think Jiggy saw this, I put three Song of Creations into play. Oh, yeah, so I just... I just, Ooh, just meant. Three Song of Creations into play. <laughs> I, this is I endurance myself yes. to shuffle my graveyard back in so I wouldn't deck, and then I played three Urza's Sagas, and then I passed the turn. Next turn, pop out three enormous constructs, and I killed them the turn after that That's without playing spice. any more spells. That's yeah, spice. I do. So I just got to say, like, I literally just, 
I tune into Zach's stream late. I turn on his stream <laughs> and I see him just like with two songs and play the third one's on the stack. He's like, we're doing three songs. I'm, I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I've, I've never, I've never done three songs. Even in a Yorion deck, it's just like only you stop at two. That's all you need. So I have. It to- was. It was something else. I, I have to ask, was Strike It Rich as uh, utterly disappointing for you as it was for me? Because I found it to be Yeah, a, li- a little bit. Um, so once upon a time, I built a song recreation deck with Strike It Rich and Galazeth Prismari. Mm-hmm. And that deck was more uh, based on uh, spells. So the song creations decks we've built, by and large, have been Springleaf Drum Kinnon shells. Um, and I have a, a, a couple of more sketches of potential versions under here that uh, sort of uh, go in a more linear direction because uh, while Strike It Witch was disappointing, so was uh, Asmora and the, the cookbook. In fact, Asmora even more so than the cookbook. Uh, cookbook on its own is, is a fine little thing to have in these decks a lot of the time. Um, it makes your construct tokens super ultra mega thick sometimes, yep. which is great. Like um, with the grilled cheese uh, Goryeo's uh, kitchen deck, I often find that Saga plus an early cookbook uh, actually wins a lot of aggro and mid range matchups in game one because they just can't compete with like two seven sevens and a shadow spear. Um, it's just a tough sell in game one a lot of the time if they don't have a very specific suite of removal. Uh, this deck is also playing Ragavan, uh, so that was relevant a bunch of times. Um, <laughs> Ragavan just cracked in general. Yep, the Ragavan can. Yeah. Um, so I I want to mention actually, like you know, you mentioned your deadline of you know just you know triple song like three years of sagas go and you just crush them. I feel like the additional land drop from song and like saga is really interesting and i've you know i when i want to i really want to mess with the song shell but i've just been very i've had tunnel vision trying to get really good with breach and tune breach for especially for cfb yeah uh, for for a quick edit this this top version i mean not even edit but like this top version is not exactly what i played at first i think this is brian's exact list um whereas i included at least two copies of renin six uh and a few other things i I cut down on some of the four ofs of cards that i kind of felt were going to be weaker uh to include things that would be slightly generally stronger like renin six and so if you scroll down to the the next deck listed here i have a lot of my edits sort of proposed there we we go down to three cannons we go up to four renin six Uh, i wanted to try bergy uh god of uh stories at least three copies god of yeah, tales stories. I can't read it. It's super tiny, um, but uh, because if you have something that accrues mana value, then you can play the backside more often. And the backside, uh, the horn of Harnfell, is actually super good a yeah, bunch I mean, of the time. So, like having the horn plus song in play is just bananas. That, that's that's the win. If if you if you put both of those into play, you're going to win that game. I mean, there's just no no ifs ands or buts about it. As long as it's possible for your deck to win the game from that point, I, I can't imagine that you don't. Um, but the reason I never ran this deck back was I couldn't figure out how to balance uh, zero cost and or like null cost cards as you were supposed to be comboing off. Yeah, um, yeah. it's very difficult. And to that extent, I I went down to the other two versions. One of which is playing like 
ornithopter with re uh, repeal and uh hold on this one looks like a copy of the version that already existed oh lord so, yeah, ornithopter that, and repeal no you you had my attention at ornithopter and <laughs> yeah repeal, ornithopter repeal spring leaf drum you know all that kind of thing um that that jiggy has played uh before um or uh otherworldly gaze uh is another card that i thought could be very good in these decks um, because it's like a really good card selection plus it's a a single card that is two casts uh, and it uh, allows you to sort of filter your deck and uh, throw things in the graveyard and or make sure you're going to draw what you're looking for um, but I really couldn't crack this yet uh, I feel like I need to borrow Jiggy's combo brain at some point in the near future once he's, uh, like, again, I think you've reached some very strong conclusions on Grinding Breach, but uh, once you're ready to dedicate yourself to a new project, maybe we can take some yep. pokes at this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I want to. This is, song, yeah. song has been super, especially just, like, messing around with grinding, the Blue Grinding Breach and, like, really getting some good saga experience like how is saga in a combo shell etc like which is really good and then messing around with other kind of shells to kind of based off this and i have a, i feel like i've learned a lot that i want to apply you know like i feel i i'm really like saga song creation and lotus cobra is really interesting because lotus cobra mm. lets you get greedy with the mana and then the big yeah, thing extra land drops yeah like the, the huge the huge issue with saga is in these kind of decks is that they it taps for colorless and like it costs mana to tap it. So if you wanna, you know, if you if you want to act so activate Saga on turn three, you're skipping your turn three, and like that's huge, you know, to skip yeah. a turn three. So if you have a Lotus, you go like turn two, Lotus Cobra, you know, Saga, and then turn three you have a fetch, you can activate Saga and still cast a t two drop, or like you do mm. whatever, you know, you can like still iteration into activate it to whatever. So you know you have a whole bunch of options, and so I think right, and you know, especially with the you know how do you Saga in a two-color deck is okay. Saga in a three-color deck is really hard. You see John Saga Man losing to itself. Saga into a four-color deck is nearly impossible. But, you know, can you imagine the benefits of, like, Saga in an Omnath deck? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could be really bonkers. So, I mean, again, I, I think we'll I think we'll revisit this, like, when, when, when we have a little bit more time. Because it, it uh, Saga Creation, to me, presents, presents a deck-building challenge and or restriction and or benefit that is very similar in my mind to Indomitable Creativity, where if you, if the rest of the deck is reasonably set up to support it, it's kind of a one-card combo. Yep, yep. Like, once you do this thing, you're not guaranteed to win, but you can build your deck in such a way that you're, like, 90-plus percent guaranteed to win once you resolve that card. And so that's something that where if you can build a flexible resilient uh shell with a game plan that is not exactly the same or, or or dodges some of the interaction that that card does that you now have a resulting very powerful deck um, yep so that that's where that urian deck that we built once upon a time that the teamer kinnon uro song urian deck the strength of that deck was that like song creation could provide an almost combo kill karn was this just like you know i mean karn at the time and and even now is super powerful if you can pour any amount of mana into it to the next turn and then it also had urza in it too so there was these like f these three different four mana payoffs that 
all kind of could win the game on their own and were difficult to disrupt as a package. And then, you, know, you could pithing needle one of them, but not not all three at the same time. And you couldn't pithing needle a song creation, so. Man, that was so be- And then you also had Uro and Emery, and like all your right, yeah, cannon I mean, made you a shit ton of mana. And like yeah, all, you, yeah. you, had, you could escape Uro <laughs> on turn two and three, and like Kinnon or Emery, they were all kill on spots. You still had to deal with Urza, man, just, ah. Oh. I'm so yeah, sad, Zach. Yeah. I'm so I sad. I know. I know. I know. I'm, I miss Astrolabe in a row, too, buddy. I do. I, I like how you phrased it as if you can build the rest of the shell as a, a strong shell, it becomes basically a one-card combo. And that was actually what I was trying to do the, the with the first version, which I mm-hmm. handed you something that I, I, I made the mistake of handing you this with Strike It Rich in it because I had tried that. I didn't like Strike It Rich. Right, right. I had actually been playing... Um, blazing root walla and i I did really like that card and instead of cutting Mm -hmm. the strike it riches i cut the root walla for the endurance and the furies and i think that keeping the root Mm. walla is actually the right way to go there because it sets up some value lines where even if you play your song early sometimes you have you know a root walla or two in hand you go to end a turn and then you've you've just put these dinky little one ones on well if you don't draw anything valuable next turn you pump them up you know you get in some hits and that was where my wins were actually coming from was getting in chip damage here and there getting in the asmo beats um i'm just so i i think if we could strengthen the plan of like maybe not a great creature beat down but like this this good uh sort of more aggressive slanted deck that that makes the conflagrates better and then the song of creation doesn't have to do quite as much work because you don't have to draw your entire deck to win. You just have to draw the right couple of cards. And I, I like this mm-hmm. idea. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just so skeptical that uh, Root Wall is better than Dragon's Rage Chandler. Like, I just, well, they, 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 if, if I will. That's very if, possible. If this is, if this is, if in the shell, if the Root Wall is better than Chandler, I will, you know, my, my mind will be blown and I will, you know, happily eat whatever the hell people want me to eat. No, but I think, like, well, it, it just I seems mean, so unlikely. There's at least two different. There's at least two different things that uh, Root Walla does in this deck, which is that you can discard it to Cookbook and get a free spell at instant speed. Mm-hmm. That's a creature. So that's a cool combat trick or a way to all of a sudden, end of turn, you're applying more pressure than your opponent thought they were or thought you were. And second, with Song of Creation, once you start going off, as long as you have a Cookbook in play, every time you draw a, a Root Walla, it's a free draw to. It's a free card to cast into the song of creation, which is just like that. That is something that Dragon's Rage Chandler cannot ever do. Yeah, but I mean, but, but the, the, surveil. the surveils might be almost worth as much, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, yeah, you drew two cards one time, but by playing Dragon's Rage Chandler, you quote unquote drew like eight cards during your turn because you surveilled cards you didn't yeah. want to draw yep. into your graveyard eight times. So. Uh, again, maybe both. That's maybe what both. I was going to say. Um, I don't think it's in either. I think it's probably the both. the version. The version that I registered uh, also had copies of Insolent Neonate because I was worried about the number of discard outlets to allow you to cast Asmora early. Um, but uh, that didn't seem like a particularly great choice. I think uh, she's worth wasn't... cutting. I think you're right. There's not enough discard, and I don't think we want to lean that hard into that. Right, like you just have to start adding street rates, um, or or things like incident neonate. But or keep cookbook, right? Of... Yeah, yeah. I like oh, you definitely yeah. keep cookbook. This I'm... this deck keeps cookbook, and I I, I don't think that's uh, up for debate really at all. I mean, um, so but that, this... that's that's 
That's I, how the Goryo's kitchen deck plays, right? Uh, there have been multiple versions of that with uh, one to four cookbooks and no versions of Asmora. I mean, most of them do play Asmora, but there were versions that didn't. And so I'm actually pretty intrigued by this because, you know, the messing with the blue-red breach list, you get these starts of like turn one, Ragavan, Amber, Dragon's Rage, Chandler, Mishra's Bobble. And, like, you know, your opponent's, like, a little scared because even if they kill Ragavan, you're still going to probably get your... Uh, delirious uh, channel and just start wrecking their face and you know just like turn one ragavan amber cookbook you know like end of turn tap it discard a root walla uh, you know like now we're cooking with fire oh yeah now we're cooking with we should uh, we should we should we should check out what the um the teamer drc decks that was the very first uh, version of Jen Sagavan actually that came along was there was like a teamer DRC Ragavan deck uh, and I bet if we look that up there will be sort of a, a sketch that makes some amount of sense uh, yeah that we can at least, at. at least build off of but I think you know having the pin sign creation is really going to change things sure absolutely it definitely will but uh, it, it just does something to, to take a look at and see what 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 was working for them at the time yeah for uh, sure. obviously obviously we're also not a uh Luris deck so uh we'll be playing uh fury they were not a Luris deck in that version but they were so close to it you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised if there had been a Luris in the sideboard they just weren't playing black or white <laughs> um, so yeah and then there's so there's more speculative versions here but uh well i guess we'll we'll come back to that uh as the time uh permits yes yeah, so yeah no i think i I just want to mention, I do think Song is, like, pretty busted. And, you know, if anyone who's put a Song creation on the battlefield and, like, gotten that mm -hmm. rush knows that, like, this mm -hmm. card is... I mean, I'll just never forget the one time. I think we were both playing in the challenge with Temera Rosa. And Zach yep. is he's just like, I mean, I'm scared about this one one of Song in your Yorian deck. I'm just like, trust trust the process, Zach. And he's playing against... I have a, I have a clip. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. He's, he's playing against Black Green Luris Rock. And, yep. like, his opponent has just, like, has had Luris down for two turns and just, like, an insane amount of bobble. Just, like, his opponent's got, like, a full hand, like, just shredding Zach to pieces. Zach's like, wow, this sucks. I'm doomed. He draws creation. He's like, well, you know, if there's anything that can do it, it's this. And then he casts Song. He draws, like, eight cards, plays four spells, survives a turn, and then just, like, goes off again and just wins. It was just, it was, it's one of those cards that... It's just sometimes you're in an unwinnable situation and it's like, oh, you know, just like there's no outs here. Like nothing I can like, especially let's say even you say you're a mid-range deck, you know, just like oftentimes your opponent has like, let's say they have a Jace and a Teferi and a Renin Six on the board and Omneth in play. You know, just like you're a mid-range deck in top deck mode, maybe one card in hand. What's going to get you there? Like if you top deck a song, if you just have one other card in hand, that actually might get you there. And like from that insane position, which is, you know, I think that's just a property in a card that, Definitely needs to keep be kept an eye on, and eventually it probably will be nuts. Hell yeah! All right, so uh, with that out of the way, I think next up we should touch on a runes, uh, progress tuning, tweaking, etc. of uh, Underworld Breach, and then maybe we'll get to uh, some indomitable creativity news and updates. How does that sound, guys? Sounds good. Let's take a quick break. I'm gonna grab some water, and we'll be back in a minute.
Alright, welcome back everybody. So as I mentioned previously, I'm going to CFB Vegas, which is super exciting. You know, the, it's going to be huge. It's going to be, uh, yeah, just huge and very good competition. I don't, they say there's not going to be coverage, but like they've got coverage for their fab events, like the Flesh and Blood. So like if they don't cover, like CFB hosts these huge, like essentially like PTQs for Flesh and Blood. And they have video coverage of that. And like if they have that for that and not for CFB Vegas for Magic, I would be pretty surprised so i'm gonna i'm gonna assume that they have covered they just haven't said it yet or maybe they have said it i thought that they explicitly said that there would not be coverage i thought that they were the ones that said that yeah this is this is what i that's that's what i had thought too but it just doesn't make any sense that they would you know cover flesh and blood like they have live video coverage and streaming of flesh and blood but for some odd reason they won't do the first largest magic tournament in the in the past two years and like the city of Las Vegas, which is known for like Grand Prix Las Vegas and all the record-breaking tournaments, and like Magic's 25th, the Grand Prix Vegas for Magic's 25th anniversary was also in Las Vegas. Like Wizards loves to go to Las Vegas for these big events. Like it just it makes no sense to me why they why CFB would not cover it, especially if they're doing fab coverage. But who knows? All I have is conspiracy but, theories and tinfoil hats, so I'm not even gonna say anything because I. I got no idea. You're you're right. Why wouldn't they cover it? Yeah, but I, all I'm, I know is that they should have exploited flesh and blood being fab and done a poster that said "Fabulous Las Vegas." Yes, because we all know mm-hmm. it's fabulous Las Vegas. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I so I've got my tickets already. I'm pretty excited. If anyone, anyone listening is going to be there. Uh, you know, I will be pretty easy to spot. You know, I'll probably give you more details as I get there. But I, I have rainbow dreadlocks, uh, and I will I get them touched up and get them dyed right beforehand because you know you got. I want to look good for my winning portrait. Uh, that is definitely the goal. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, so, to so I haven't actually been doing much brewing or like as not even. I honestly I would even call it barely iterating at this point because uh, I feel you know just tunneling on my list. And as I think Brian put it very well, I've been doing a lot of polishing. Yep. Uh, so. To prepare for these, because you know these these large events, they're pretty rough. It's like a, it's like straight up. Well, you have to travel. So like I'm flying in on Thursday night. Uh, the I get on eight at like eight p.m. The f- tournament starts Friday morning, and then goes to Saturday goes to Saturday, and then I fly out at six a.m. on Sunday. So it's <laughs> it is it is for business and not for pleasure. That is for sure. I mean you know it'll, it'll be pleasure too, but it'll be a lot most of these you know just like wanna play in this magic tournament. And so to prepare, I, you know, I definitely, I've settled on Breach. I, you know, I'm super, I love the play patterns. I'm super happy with it. It's really enjoyable. I've played it a whole bunch, so I know the lines really well. And I think that if you're going to play in a big tournament, I, it is absolutely, it is most important to play a deck that you know well, because you will lose, you know, I, I make puns with Breach and like, I, I play the deck really well. I play it all the time. Like I still make puns. Like if you were playing a deck you're unfamiliar with, you're just going to give away so much equity, especially when, you know, you can't get more than two losses without, if you get more than two, you don't make day two. So it's, you know, you, you got to play sharp and you got to give yourself the best chance. So Breach ticks all those boxes. Uh, and so to prepare, I've been actually playing a lot of this weekly challenges, uh, mostly only the Sunday ones. They work really well because, you know, <laughs> West Coast time is at 4 a.m., which, you know, you wouldn't think, why would, <laughs> why, how does this work well for you if it's at 4 a.m.? Uh, it works really well because I can wake, wake up and roll out of bed at 3.45, like have a bowl of cereal, just like then I can, you know, start playing the, just start jumping the challenge. It takes me a little bit to wake up, but this way I don't have to wake up my fiance. She can just sleep through. 
Uh, and then this tournament, you know, I haven't made top eight yet, but the whole thing ends at like 10 a.m. Like, or the top eight begins around 10 a.m. So, you know, so I can play in a decent, in a big magic tournament, you know, get my seven rounds in, and I can still clean the house and do grocery shopping and just like do cooking for the week and meal prep and all those things. So it's, it works really well for me. So I've actually managed to play in the last ones. And then, so while I've been kind of all mentioning this as my, I definitely first and foremost consider myself a brewer as opposed to like a competitive player. You know, I would I would much rather just like lose with the deck I love than to win with the deck I don't love. But now that I'm you know playing a deck I love that also seems pretty strong, I've kind of you know I'm yeah you know, I'm pretty I kind of want to be a little competitive again for a little bit. You know, see if like especially I don't think I would be going this hard if the CFB thing weren't coming up. But because yeah, I kind of have this you know like I have a one month now until the CFB thing that I want to do well and win with, and so you know it's I can you know dedicate more time. And I can be a little bit more competitive than I'm used to. Uh, which is, you know, pretty exciting to go from a brewer to, like, caring about magic at this level again. You know, I don't... <laughs> this is definitely not uh, sustainable for me, and I won't, I will not be doing this forever, no doubt. But for, you know, for the next month and then up until Vegas, I think it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, kind of going... Moving from the leagues to the challenges, I will say <laughs> the the quality of opponents and your challenges and also, like, the meta decks they play are definitely noticeable. Like, I've, so I've played in three challenges and one pro and one ptq thing and then also a, a showcase uh i've gone x3 in everything uh you know always losing in the last round feels pretty rough but the thing that's been kind of interesting is that when i was first started playing with, with the breach deck you know i felt that hammer time was like very favorable and rhinos was pretty favorable and you know like and after playing some really high-level players in the challenges, it's like, I'm pretty sure Rhinos and Hammer Time are only slightly favorable now. Like, I still think I win more often than I lose, and I think, still think they're good matchups. But, like, they were, you know, they're really good players, and they know how to play their decks. And, you know, it's just like, there's kind of, it's, it's crazy, like, when I'm playing someone, a master who's not a, versus someone who's not a master, and just like, oh, you know, like... I would probably crush them if they were doing stupid lines, but they know exactly. <laughs> it's like, I guess the best way to describe it, somehow their last two cards, whenever I tap out, are always Sigarda's eight and a hammer. And like, <laughs> I, I don't know how that happens. It's like, I've already dealt with one eight, you know, they've gone through two hammers, like EE's blown up the board, like dealt with Lurs. I think we should be good. We can probably tap out right now to get a board presence down. And if the last cards are not Sigarda's eight and hammer, then we're okay. And more often than like, it should be. It's Cigar's Aiden Hammer, which makes me think that they're probably very good players and just outplaying me, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it, it, most of the, the, the things that make the good players good are the games anywhere in the middle, right? There's games you were never going to lose, and there's games you were never going to win, and that happens to basically anyone. Um, although, you know, obviously there's a certain percentage that you need to be invested in the game in order to be able to see them. Uh, but beyond that point, it's all those little ones in the middle where there's like infinite percentage plays that you were making that you maybe didn't even know you were making in order mm. to set up that moment, right? Um, with mm. with breach, it's 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 super obvious, right? Knowing what to surveil into the graveyard, what not to surveil into the graveyard, contextually per match per game, is super important. Yep, yep. Based yeah. on what's in your hand, based on where you're going, based on how much time you have left. If, if you realize, oh, I'm going to die next turn, you you need to do everything in your power to win right now. Uh, versus if you have one or two turns potentially, which ways can you go? And then, well, m most likely you have three turns. But if you have two turns, there's no way you can win. So you might as well play as best as you can mm -hmm. for that three-turn win. These are all the places where... 
you know you, you yeah you, the, the very experienced players are able to to do that and put themselves <laughs> in the best possible position that's so, um, super super elegantly said yeah and the nice thing about also playing these challenges and against these good opponents is you know like it really it gives you a good chance to test sideboarding strategies because the sideboard at this point my main mm -hmm. board i'm 100 sold on the 70 on the 61 in my main deck you know maybe the one last spot like right now it's i have it on engineered explosives which i've been liking but it could be something else and you know i might actually change that by the time but the sideboard has been changing a lot and getting to play all these opponents you know and like messing with the sideboard plans and the other thing too is just you know to learn I mean, the, you know, the easy way to like learn a matchup, ideally, is you find a friend who's good at playing the deck, you play test the deck versus your deck versus them, and then you switch decks. And like, there's just so much insight to be gained from the other side of the table. Like, if I were to play Hammer Time and Zach were to play Rhino, or if Zach were to play Blue Red Breach, just like I would learn so much from being on the Hammer Time side of the matchup. Oh, you know, like this is how they do. But sideboarding is really hard, and especially strategies. You know, just the one. Like, sometimes I've actually been able to, like, against Hammer Time, just kind of take a risk. And, like, you know, they have three Zero CMC, artif like, Zero CMC artifacts on the board. And, like, you know, they have, like, they're not doing really much else. I have this EE. Like, EE on one is safer because, you know, like, that prevents a blow with the hammer. But if I just wreck their board and, like, start getting aggressive, you know, I think I might be able to do well. It turns out, like, that never works. Just, like, if you're against Hammer, you want to have your EE on one and you want to keep that on one. And you want to guard it with your life. <laughs> Uh, but I, you know, I, I would not have learned that if I didn't take those risks and be like, oh, you know, like, let's just blow up everything and see what happens. Uh, so it's been super interesting, you know, just I feel like I've been learning a whole bunch and getting, you know, a little sad, a little frustrated. I think it's kind of, I don't know, I guess just modern seems a little strange. Like I've had some challenges where I've like went three overs Merktide and other times like this previous challenge, I went 0-2 versus Merktide. Uh, and, you know, like the games have felt anywhere from... You know, I could not lose to I could not win and I never had a chance. I mean, I do think a big reason is Ragavan. Like, Ragavan is just, like, a disgusting magic card. I kind of I kind of hate it. I mean, I've, like, I've done dirty things with Ragavan, but I've just lost... I lost so many games. You know, there's turn one, Ragavan, they're on the play. They're Ragavan you. You kept a good solid seven, but you don't have a removal. The Ragavan connects, they hit a Mox Amber, and you're just like, why, why do I even play this game? It's just it's so brutal. And, you know, just, like, I, I, I connected four times with the Ragavan. I hit four lands. Like, all I got was treasures and they were able to come out. You know, if I would have hit a Murktide, if I could hit an Expressive Iteration, if I could hit a Bobble, a Dragon, I had so many good hits from them. They're, they have 18 lands. There is a deck. Uh, less than me, but somehow they hit my iterations and I hit their lands. But that's also, you know, just the variance of the game. So it's very... It's just been very interesting to kind of, I guess, being playing so much magic and taking it really seriously, especially when I don't normally take it so seriously. And then trying to think, okay, you know, just like, especially then you have some matchups where against the same deck, it feels unwinnable versus unlosable and trying to suss out why, what's the difference? Like, were these things in my power or were these, you know, just sometimes you just, with how magic is now, with where all your threats are so powerful and so snowball-y that these things are just bound to happen, which I think is kind of the... The conclusion that I'm coming to, especially with things like Ragavan in the format, where like a turn one Ragavan can end the game or it can be totally useless. And you know, it can do either. It all depends what if your opponent kills it and what it hits. So I just trying to come to terms with terms with all these things has been very, very interesting, just as someone who's trying to take magic much more seriously than I normally do. So yeah, Ra Ragavan is definitely a a, a very uh <laughs> 
a powerful card that can cause unacceptable things to happen in a bunch of games. But uh, if you ever want an anti-Ragavan deck, boy, do I have the suggestion for you. What is it, creativity? Yes. There are up to 11 to 12 one, turn one answers, quote-unquote, for Ragavan. Oh, deck. yeah. It is great. Sounds and like most justice. things they can steal off your deck, you're just like, all right, sure, <laughs> take it. So I, I want to mention a huge shout-out to Faithless Family Member Grixism, a.k.a. Sorin. I was w lamenting on the Faithless Brewing Discord how this stupid John Sagavan deck always gets me. Like, it's so close, and they always pull it out. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, you know, like, I kind of want Alpine Moon for to deal with their, um, uh, their stupid sagas. And uh, Grixism is like, oh, hey, you know, like, what about Spreading Seas? As this way, you don't lose the velocity. And so me doing what I normally do, I tried Alpine Moon first, and sure enough, it was pretty medium. Like, it was nice when it happened, but it's just, the dead card does nothing. And it, yeah, you draw two, like, you draw two, it's not fun, not good. You're just Sucks. like, dead Sucks. card, not great. Uh, so I but switched. also, Spreading Seas can mess up their mana, because as we mentioned before, their mana already sucks. Seas is fucking cracked, Zach. Like, Seas is yeah, so it's really good. good. It, I, I've, I've 5 0 with Enigmatic Incarnation and similar decks. Uh, Seas was not a small part of that. That It was always a very significant part. Like, just nobody in Modern is ready to get their mana hosed. I mean, it's I mean, it's like, good against it's good against burn. It's good against it's hammer good against time. everything. It's it's I've, shocking how much it's good against bringing against rhinos. It's nuts. It's just yeah. yeah so huge shout out to Grixism from that recommendation. I have three. I actually I think three is pretty good. So I'm I'm pretty I'm super happy with my seventy six now. Like I don't I don't know if I'm gonna be making too many. I mean, I'll probably be changing. You know, maybe no more than five cards over the next month. I would imagine, unless I mean, the one exception, of course, is that. Uh, Crimson, Vow, Hunt, whatever. The new the new Innistrad comes out with something Busto, mm -hmm. which always a possibility, but unless something like that happens, I'm feeling pretty good about my thing. I do want to say that, you know, I've only, I've been making a bunch of top 32s. I haven't even made the crack the top 16 yet in these things, but I just I just kind of did a uh, calculation to check, and I'm, I'm 23 match wins out of the 38 I've played in these premier events with Breach, uh, which puts me at 60% win rate. Which I think is like pretty solid, but yeah. also, I mean, it just feels weird, you know, having played in like five or five to six of them and like not even having a top sixteen. It's just like, does that is that sixty percent win rate? Like, is that is that really that good? I don't I don't know. This is yes. Once again, yes, I'm a <laughs> I'm a brewer who likes to play jank, and I'm trying to you know take my brew and like be as competitive as be as spiky as I can to play in a competitive event. And these are just a whole lot of things that I need to think about that I wouldn't think about before. And I'm just maybe trying to understand them slash interpret them out loud, as this is not something that I'm familiar with. I mean, as I'm someone who can, you know, put a disproportionate amount of time into playing Magic Leagues, reading about the format, etc., etc., I know that when... I make consistent X2s in these bigger events. Part of it is just from pure experiential, you know, benefits of, oh, I played a league and I lost to this already. This day, I'm going to make the decision that doesn't make me lose to this. Hey, look, it worked. Yeah, uh, yeah. As in today when I played against Sodek and he was going to ritual at a Blood Moon and I knew it was coming. So instead of doing anything else, I was just like, I'm just going to hold up Remand here. And he rituals at a Blood Moon and I'm like, cool. So I didn't lose this turn, which was good. And I got to go one turn deeper into that game. Uh, so, 
you know, it, 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 this this is with you not spending as much time as I think a lot of the other people that you're losing to in challenges are spending on mm. on these things. Um, so uh, you know, it's it's just going to be about reps and everything, yeah. and then. On the day of, you just got to be lucky, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of what I keep trying to tell myself is, you know, like, so in the, in the PTQ, I was X2, I was, I was actually 5-1 in the PTQ. I was making a really deep run, doing really well. I uh, mm-hmm. got paired against Hammer Time, took game one, uh, got crushed pretty handily game two. Game three, I keep a, a solid hand. It's got interaction. It's got like a turn to Emery with the interaction up. Like it, and then, you know, I just need to hit. I just own, you know, just a very good hand in general. My opponent molds to six, and like, okay, I'm feeling like pretty good. And so I go turn one my thing. They go turn one, aid Memnite, Memnite. And it's like, okay, you know, so like I, you know, turn two, play my Emery. I have my interaction up. Uh, you know, they swing, they play a cigar, they play a hammer. So I bolt it because that's all I can do. And they have the second hammer. And it's just like, you know, like, no. No amount of skill is going to save you from the turn two, like getting crushed turn two by hammer. Like you, like like yep. Zach put it really well earlier. There's just some games that you're just not going to win, no matter what decisions you make. Yep. And but you know if that if that happen if that happens on a tournament day, you know that's rough. But hopefully it'll only happen in leagues. Well, I think that you know some of these changes, like you mentioned, the spreading seas from Alpine Moon. I think that you're going to continue to to find those. These are the polish points that I was talking about mm-hmm. earlier. And. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, I think uh, a couple of things that you you didn't mention here is that um, there have been a bunch of people in the Discord picking up this deck recently. Um, so there's been a lot of like chatter and people out there trying new things there. So maybe some of that will return dividends as other people test and, and bring new ideas. And, yeah, that is know, a really I, good point. I just wanted to acknowledge that you have successfully birthed a deck that has you know generated Ooh. interest and and started or to garner rebirth. that. Yeah, but uh, you know, yeah. starting to garner that support and um, and and whatnot. Um, but you know, I'm curious, what other sort of like polish points have you found? Uh, are there other sideboard cards that you were like, or even main deck cards that you were pretty in on that you've changed? You know, when was the last time we talked about this? Uh, yeah, three weeks ago, maybe even a month ago. Who knows? No, time is an illusion. Weeks. Yeah, so it's been it's been well over a month. I'm sure there have been some some changes here, uh, probably mostly to the sideboard, like you said. But you know, I'm yeah, curious. let me pull up the list. It's a good. Uh, I was gonna say, can we get a link? Yeah, I, 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 I don't have a link. I, I know if I actually if I type into my Firefox right now, you should just uh, bookmark Moxfield. it. I update it. This yeah, is yeah, the yeah. Same one no, I no. All like I have to do is type ago. in Moxfield because that's the that's the site that you and Brian use for your 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 decks, and yours is the one I've referenced the most recently, the most consistently. So yours just pops up on top, so I don't have to do it. Uh, <laughs> all right, I, I put it. Smart too, but I, I put in our deck list thing. But yeah, that's a it's a really good point. I have either, there have been a couple of small tweaks. I guess the small tweaks now, I'm down to three expressive iteration. Like four is just a little too clunky, although sometimes, you know, that's the exact card you need and want. Uh, there's, this guy has a lot of tension with Urza Saga, which I found. Uh, so three mm-hmm. expressive iteration. I'm on two Bolt, two Unholy Heat now. Uh, I think that's been recommended by multiple people, and I made that change. And the ability to bolt people out is very, very good. Very, I actually, I think I want to run a league with four bolts and kind of see what happens over Unholy Heat. Although Unholy Heat is really nice, especially against Amulet. If you can just like single hit their Titan. And, and Delirium in this deck is so freaking easy. Because yeah. you've got like 
14 creatures, you've got 3 sorceries, 4 instants, you have 8 enchantments and 16 artifacts, and then 20 lands. So like it's it's just and then you have Emery's and Chandlers and so it's it's Delirium comes very easy, which is pretty beautiful. Uh I'm on yeah, still on for Ragavan, Ragavan's cracked. Uh you know, I've tried to mess with some numbers. I did try counterbalance, because you know, once if sometimes you get desperate and it's like, oh you know, counterbalance is kinda of like a one sided chalice of the void if you're lucky. Uh and I actually almost five would a league. I four one one that had the counterbalance in it. And kind of exactly what you would expect from counterbalance. The games where you play a turn to counterbalance and you hit your next two flips, you can't lose. The games where you play a turn to counterbalance and you miss all your flips, you can't win. And like that is, there was insanely high correlation between did my counterbalance counter their spell and did I win the match. So I think it's just overall it's a little too high variance. Although it was it was interesting, curious. And I don't regret it, and I actually once again want to go back to brewing. You know, when I get want to go back to brewing counterbalance, I. I was actually pretty impressed by the card, and the counterbalance and brainstone too is actually pretty hot. Uh, so I think there's uh, some work to be done there. Otherworldly gaze is the uh, yeah. the other sort of hot ticket. Mm. Yeah, potential potential cracked version of uh, counterbalance. Exactly, I messed around with that a little bit. It was really good. Which I, which which Spike will never test because he doesn't believe in uh, otherworldly gaze. So free reign for anyone else to get that sweet 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 clout. And uh, I think the biggest thing, uh, this is a little bit off topic, but if you can find a way to consistently have a one drop on top of your tech, on top of your deck the turn that you cast the counterbalance, I think just like that is this, if you can find a way to do that, that is the secret. Chalice on one is good for a reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, this is this is all off uh, yeah, all off the thing. Uh, but yeah, so I'm on one Aether spell bomb. The card is nuts. I would never cut that. I'm off Brainstone now. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually... I don't know. I really like Brainstone. I think it's. I don't. I think it's totally fine. All right now, I have. I'm playing the Engine Explosives over Brainstone because AE is also busted. But you know, Brainstone I, is definitely quote fine end quote. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, you know, fine. No, and it's fine. Enough said. It's fun and it's fine. And sometimes it wins you the game, and other things couldn't. And other times, a Ragavan steals it's, it, and that sucks. It's pretty okay. It's pretty <laughs> eh. It's pretty forgettable. And then I'm on, so one of the big kind of debates I've actually been having uh, is three versus four grinding station. I know a lot of versions played three. My Lazav breach list actually played three. Uh, and I switched on to three for a little bit. And, you know, because the argument for three is that between, between all the card draw and card selection you have and Emery that mills, in addition to breach being able to cast a grinding station out of the yard once you do it, that Grinding station is less important to have than breach, which I think is totally valid argument. And I don't, I don't think four is correct. I don't think, I don't know if three is correct either. But the biggest thing for me is just it feels really bad to dig forty cards deep and to not find a grinding station. Like it is just like kind of choose the way you want to lose and choose how you want to feel when you lose. And like to dig forty cards down and to not find a grinding station just feels so bad. It feels so like it's just so demoralizing you're just like come on come on come on come on and it's just not there and so if i were playing three grinding station and you know i dig 40 cards down to find one yeah i would i would feel bad but you know like, i'd have to be you know like, if i played four you know just like i can't feel so bad about you know like you know i can't be so surprised by this if i played four this would happen less often and so for me so there's the a you know it just feels bad when digging for it but also i think especially for game one you know we're playing four mox amber also it's just good to have that like you know, you just want those easy kills lined up. You know, like, if you can maximize a hand that's turn one, that's got uh, two to three lands, and then Dragon Rage, Chandler, Grinding Station, 
uh, breach in a zero CMC card, that's a win on the spot. You know, just like straight up, just like win. Same with just like Emery, Amber, Grinding Station, Breach, you know, just like Bubble. Those kind of starts are just, you know, just like you went on turn two, you went on turn three, you're like, wow, this is dirty. Like it's, <laughs> it's like when, when Sodek turned two at me in the PT, in the, in the challenge today. It's like, wow, that's fucking dirty. Like I couldn't even do <laughs> shit. Like what the fuck? Yeah. I, and so, oh, I, I, so I, I have, I have been playing a little bit of this as well. And, uh, there's just a lot of potential for like, surprise. I just drew the exact right cards. I need to combo now, you know, like, yeah, yeah I mean that not even on the combo huge... plane, just, just beaten down with constructs or DRC. And then suddenly like, ah, uh, well, you know, my construct died. I'm just going to crack my bobbles now. Oh, look, I, I drew into my breach and my grinding station. Well, that's a win. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, actually, one of the, so this deck, you know, I mean, playing it is difficult, but the hardest part about this combo deck is playing it against the hate, because, like, you're hit by every fucking everything, man, like, star artifact inactivation hate, graveyard hate, just, like, artifact destroy hate, enchantment destroy hate, it's just, like, you name a card, and it is probably, you know, creature removal <laughs> is even good, like, you name a card, it is pr a sideboard card that any deck plays. It is probably uh, good uh, against your deck. Excuse me, um, actually, Flusterstorm doesn't seem all that good against your deck. So. Holy shit, you're right. <laughs> 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 Thank God for Cascade decks. Let's, like, just... Like, no, I mean, seriously. Uh, I mean, those... I just get crushed. The Mystical Dispute sucks, though. I get crushed by Mystical Dispute mm, all the time. Mm, mm. So the... But that's not usually played against the Cascade deck. That's from the Cascade deck. Yeah, this is true. But uh, it, you also don't care about Teferi. That's nice. Um, I mean, Teferi bounces Much. my constructs and my emeries. Sure, yeah, like yeah. That, it's or your saga. It's really it's fucking brutal, actually. I fucking hate Teferi. Yeah. <laughs> you would think bounce your grinding station, but then you sack it in response and just uh, mill yourself for three and blow out the card draw. Yep. Yeah, I do that all the time. I, I don't. I don't know if like, do they mean for, to do that or do they just like? I mean, I, I think they're willing to accept the risk. Yeah, yeah. Like they're they willing to accept accept the the tempo. The, the tempo positive nature of the play because at minimum it means you need two more mana five mana to go off yeah yeah, yeah. you need the the breach the station and 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 play emery uh assuming you don't have one so it, they, are, they are limiting your ability to go off or if you don't sack it in response not only do they get the card but they know you probably don't have breach in hand yep, and yep. there's some reason you want to hold on to a grinding station in in Thinking about it now, I think it's almost always correct to sack it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't... <laughs> the only times I've forgotten to sack it are the times where I tried to bluff my opponent and I had left it tapped, <laughs> or I just, you know, like, not thinking, and they get it. So that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. That, like, chaining to fairies is actually pretty bad against this deck because they just bounce your board, and then while well, they're gaining cards and drawing tempo. Uh, so that is, yeah. you know, a little brutal. Uh, the You know, I have a Minamo. I really like the Minamo. I guess for the lands, I'm on... Eight fetches, one spire bluff, three steam vents, four saga, and then uh, one island and two mountain. Just is much red is much more important than blue. And I used to be essentially it was the same, but I had two islands and two steam vents. But I, it's nice. You you almost always want to have a turn one steam vents because it just opens up many more turn two plays in case you need to like emery into bolt or whatever. Yeah, I'm so looking, it is. Looking at uh, a version of your deck from late september which is probably around when we did the most recent episode on it and you had like the breeding pool which i, I think i even asked oh, you yeah. about um you know you had the brainstone uh which has also been cut and um 
you hadn't yet added uh, Ragavan. You had three metallic rebukes in the main, so you've cut the oh yeah rebukes for Ragavan, and that was a pretty big change as well. Yeah, I mean, this whole the whole the initial iteration didn't have Dragon Rage Chandlers. You know, this has been this has definitely been built up over time, which has been really cool. You know, the cool part about choosing a deck and iterating is being able to you know just like first we added a Dragon in the side, a four rebukes main, and then oh you know just like. Uh, Turns out Dragon Rage Handler is better in the main. Oh, Zach's like play interaction or don't be a dum dum. Like don't lose to don't lose to Eidolon. Don't don't not have an out to Eidolon in your deck, which is respect. And so okay, in comes the unholy heats. Then okay, you know like to make it a little bit like oh we want the Ragavans. Okay, we don't need the Rebukes main deck anymore. So it's been it has been really cool to watch it evolve and definitely you know it's a lot of it has been feedback uh, you know from both of you and just from the community in general. Also got to give a huge shout out to the Discord, uh, you know. Texas Toff, you, Brian. Uh, hold on, I need to make sure that I don't miss people, so let me check. There's one other. Uh, <laughs> don't want to uh, be rude. Discord has been popping off while we're recording, so good luck finding the back scroll. Oh. Oh, well, it's been private messages. Huh? Uh, oh, yeah, and Z Rifts. Uh, also, uh, Z Rifts. Like, these are all people on Discord who have been interested in Breach, you know, asking me about it and also building it and testing it and doing it on their own, which is super super exciting to see that it's kind of taking off and they've had you know some really good points and definitely helped me to evolve the deck further so this is you know i kind this has just been done with a lot of help and a whole bunch of modifications especially the sideboard etc so some 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 of the sideboard changes uh let's see so go out of this history it's cool i should actually check out like day one history on moxfield see what it looks like but the sideboard has actually changed a lot uh, which i think is pretty sweet so i think one of the Neatest innovations, I think, that I kind of came up with. So I've added two Dragon Slot to the sideboard for the Burn matchup. Uh, it's it's kind of... I really only bring it again in against Burn, but it's just so good against Burn. And it's so useful. It's all, You also have a whole bunch of your own red spells. Uh, it's got a synergy with your artifact synergy. You can recast it with Emery if you mill it or if they kill it, which has happened multiple times. Uh, it's, been, it's been huge. I added... It's just been super useful. Uh, my Burn... Burn is, I would say, is like over on the total now is probably slightly, if not uh, favorable, like definitively favorable, uh, thanks to this. I've got two EE, the supplement, the one main, you know, just so good against Hammer, so good at, so good against uh, Rhino, just EE is so good, especially E and Emery is like a drug, I just can't, can't stop it, so good. I've got two Metallic Rebuke and two Spell Pierce, you counter spells, it's good to have this kind of interaction. One Pythene Needle, because Pythene Needle is also good. You could definitely argue to move Pythene Needle to the main deck, maybe over the EE. I think that'd be totally fine too. It's essentially, you know, like, how how lucky do you want to feel is <laughs> kind of what it comes down to. Uh, there is, um, nothing's, nothing's, I must say there's no drug, like turn one Pythene Needle, blind, blind name of fetch land, and just like it's their turn one, and you just have a pause. Like they <laughs> yes. draw their card, and it's just that pause. And you're like, oh yes, I'm pretty sure we got them. Got them. It's so so good. I'm I kind of want to mess more with those Python needle decks. Three spreading seas, like I mentioned. Uh, you know, once again, huge shout out to Grixisism. Uh, so good, solves a whole bunch of issues and problems, and also makes the burn matchup better too. My graveyard hate is Tormod's Crypt. Uh, I like it because it's free. You know, I th I'm sure you could be fine with Lantern too. It's kind of like more recurrable. But it's just nice to have some cheap things, and oftentimes when, you, when I need a crypt, I'll just like you know, just easily swap a crypt for a Mox Amber and not mess with any of my comboing potential or anything like that. And then last is two Unholy Heats when we need to kill big things. Uh, so that's the 
sideboard i don't see it changing too much more like i feel like it's pretty solid and it's just you know been a huge getting all these suggestions from everyone is really also been very encouraging you know like when other people look at your deck and start playing it and give you good suggestions they play it like i more i did a more did a dono league uh and he actually four one he beat blue red murktide three times which is like nuts he just crushed it all the time i think he was drawing pretty well too but he also mords a fucking pro like holy shit we'll, we'll talk more about that <laughs> in the bumps uh but you know and so like so he was playing the deck and he's like arun he's like i think i want to sign out the dragon's rage chandlers versus murktide i'm just like well i would never do that but you know you're mord and i think you should definitely do that and see what happens and this was this was the version before Ragavan, uh, and you know I think I think that was totally correct. And it might even still be correct. Like you know I, I need to more mess around with more messing the sideboard plans, but you know just getting, you know just like I would have never even thought about that. But more is like I want to do it, and then like you know it's probably the correct sideboard plan. So just getting getting help from all my friends in all the places, which has been a lot of fun. So yeah, I will keep you know I'll probably still be, be playing. I think actually I have to miss next Sunday's challenge, but I'll, I should be able to make the next ones aiming for that top eight just trying to get good you know i've got one month to kind of prepare and really hone in want to get some some good experience i feel i do i feel like i could do really well at cfb vegas you know especially the last kind of really big event i played in was grand prix portland uh in 2018 where i took cheerios and i made day two and it was beautiful it was just I, I four out i played it up like the last chance trial to get the two buys i four out got my two buys just like the next day I went just like X2, uh, made it a day two. Then my wheels fell off and I got very unlucky. But it was like sick and it was so much fun. And, you know, it kind of made me realize I'm a dirty combo player. And I live, you know, my legacy decks were combo decks back in the day. Like Cheerios I picked up did well with back in the day. So I must, I must say thank you to Zach, you and Brian for especially, you know, just like starting this podcast and helping me to embrace you know like i was hiding it i was hiding that i was a dirty combo player i was combo degen i was trying to deny it but like i i can't anymore i love combo and i love i love these kind of play in these patterns and i'm excited to play to keep practicing and to play cfp in vegas in november sweet well uh let's uh, put a bow on that one and um take another quick break and when we come back let's uh hear about the updates to the indomitable creativity decks we've we've had a lot of updates across the board i really like that uh we're we're able to see substantial changes to some of the decks that we've talked about in the past couple of months so stay with us All right, welcome back. So, Zach, uh, Indomitable Creativity. We we started, I mean, we did a whole episode about cheating bombs into play, which is where we touched on Velamachus and turns, which that was kind of the the Indomitable Creativity du jour, right? Um, you know, that's what we were serving up was some Velamachai and taking all the turns. But we've seen quite a few changes to the list i mean 
cards that I thought were kind of the sacred cows of the list, in a sense, uh, have been cut, <laughs> and crabs have been added, and I mean, maybe not crabs specifically, but crab summoning activities or, or whatnot. <laughs> no, and there, there's even some cards that are back from, from, from beyond the grave, it seems. Ooh. Which pleases me to I no know. end, by the way, because I just finished my playset. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Remand. Yeah, Remand and El Sculptor, Jace, Hase, oh, yeah. the Mind Sculptor, is back um, in, a, in a big way. Yeah, so Indomitable Creativity. So for those who are not aware, just a brief history of this deck. So this, this was um, originally created, the, the version that we're working on now is derived from uh, a version that was created by streamer Freak You Nasty who created the the modern version of Velomachus Turns, which used the card Indomitable Creativity to turn a dwarf token off of Dwarven Mine into a big dragon, uh, attack with it, take extra turns, do that over and over again until your opponent was dead. Um, and it had a backup plan of Ren and Six, Teferi, and Jace the Mind Sculptor, which could sort of have this Super Friends-style combo that could also use your uh, Time Warps to take infinite turns with Ren and Six. Um, and after seeing this deck in the deck dump twice, uh, so two five O's at least, I thought, wow, this is a heck of a deck. Proof of concept is here. Let's, let's try this out. And uh, I had that video. Uh, I can look it up for you. Um, maybe link it in the show notes, but, uh, from the first time I played it, I think I forward one, but I just had a romp with it. It was just such a good time, um, for me. It was just like played right into my strengths, right into my style. And, uh, I was all about it. Um, since that point, uh, Freak and I took the deck out on uh, a weekend to play some challenges. He top aided his first one. I top 32 that one. I top 32 the next one. And then I spent about two, two and a half, three months playing it in challenges all the time. Almost every single one I could. And uh, I was getting consistent X2 records until I finally, finally, right after the re- release of Modern Horizons 2, I went 8-0 into the top Woo! 8. Uh, I remember that. Turns. That was epic. Yeah. It was a really good day. Um, and uh, that was right at the beginning of Modern Horizons 2, so the deck did not look like anything like we do now. Uh, that was the very first weekend that food decks were a big deal. That I, I beat <laughs> uh, Blue Red Food in the Swiss and then lost to the same player in the top eight. Um, regardless of that, since that particular weekend, a bunch of streamers and other personalities have picked up this deck, uh, as well as grinders. Um, so uh, of note, uh, Zan Syed and Wafo Tapa have both played versions of this deck. Um, and because of the changes to the modern metagame that eventually crept in after Modern Horizons 2, uh, cards like Unholy Heat have pushed us in other directions in terms of card choices. Uh, Velomachus is no longer uh, as difficult as to remove as it once was. Um, there was not a lot of people playing Path to Exile back at that point. Uh, now Unholy Heat is sort of the new age Path to Exile, except you don't get a land out of it. Um, and uh, kind of gets you coming and going. Um, so Basically, what these decks look like now is a lot like what I would sideboard into in certain matchups playing uh, Velomachus Creativity. Um, so, 
there are multiple viable versions of creativity. I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. I think the personal best choice for the current modern metagame at large is to play as the threat package one Emrakul and one Sarah's Emissary. And the specific reason why is Solitude. The card Solitude and then uh, Teferi Time Raveler, Teferi Hero Dominaria um, out of both Blue White and Elementals. These are serious problem cards. Also, four color Sky Noodle Midrange uh, has picked that up too. There's a ton of decks that's just incidentally playing some combination of these cards. So the reason that you want the specific package is that you your goal is not ever to Indomitable Creativity for one. It is to Indomitable Creativity for two targets, put both Sarah's Emissary and Emrakul into play at the same time, and almost always name creature with Sarah's Emissary. So Sarah's Emissary is a 7-mana seven 7-7 seven, seven flyer. Uh, you name a card type as it's entering the battlefield. You and creatures you control have protection from the card type. So if you name creature, they can't solitude anything. And the only out that most decks have at that point is to use a Planeswalker to remove the Sarah's Emissary and if there's an Emrakul in play, they still have to deal with the Emrakul. So they kind of have to solve two problems at once with a very specific set of tools. Um, so hopefully that is a good tight summary of exactly why this version of the deck is where it is. Now, the side benefit of this is uh, while you could play one Velomachus and one Emrakul, Velomachus really wants you to play some number of time warps, preferably four. Uh, more than that, but Savor the Moment is not a particularly great magic card to be playing in Modern at the moment. Um, <laughs> and the, the problem with that is that Time Warp, if you run into more, uh, just, just more linear and or more uh, attrition-based decks, as some of the top of the metagame is, uh, it's not a particularly good card to play in your main deck. Uh, it's blue, which is really bad. It's a sorcery, which is really bad. It costs five mana, which is really bad. And it doesn't do anything if you don't have anything else going on on the battlefield, which is not great. So I love that deck. I love that version of that deck. I've played it recently. Uh, Velomachus turns in its pure linear form is actually quite a playable deck. Uh, you just, you're going to lose to Unholy Heat sometimes. And that's fine. You're going to lose to Solitude sometimes. And that's fine too. Uh, if you want to play that in leagues, that's fine. I don't recommend it for anything more competitive. <laughs> but if you want to have a good time on Friday night, go nuts. It's a great time. Take all the turns, punch people with a 5-5 dragon. Um, but, but this version gets to use those four extra slots from those time warps, in addition to Sarah's Emissary being a good card, to play more interaction. And spoiler alert, Sarah's Emissary is a really good card that is not that hard for this deck to hardcast. Mm. I won multiple game ones in challenges over the last three days uh, in the PTQs by casting Sarah's Emissary against Hammer Time and going, I call creature. And they go, I call scoop. I have no non-creature ways to interact <laughs> with that. And I can't kill you anymore. So uh, Sarah's Emissary is an automatic win in game one against multiple decks in Modern. Uh, they just can't ever kill you after that point. Uh, and they can never remove it. Uh, so what does the deck look like right now? Uh, there's been a lot of tweaking and tuning. I tried Faithful Mending for a while uh, in this deck. And while I was initially kind of interested in it, it turns out that Prismari Command is just, just better. 
uh, and another copy of Hard Evidence is just better. Um, having uh, Incidental Life Gain in the main deck is fine, and it, theoretically it's very helpful against Burn, except that Faithful Mending involves blue and white, which are two of your off colors, uh, and that means you're probably going to have to shock to play it at any reasonable pace, uh, or you risk them resolving an Eidolon ahead of it, and then you're not gaining any life at all. And going neutral on the card is not worth it against an Eidolon. You you either want to play cards that kill the Eidolon or win you the game at that point. There's there's That's really all there is to it. If, if Burn has played an Eidolon of the Great Revel, there's only two things your cards can do at that point. They either have to kill the Eidolon or win the game, or otherwise you're dead. Um, so with the resurgence of burn, this deck has not the world's greatest burn matchup. So you have to be very, very careful and quite lucky, uh, to win that. Um, but the rest of the, the top tier of the metagame, I actually think this deck has a pretty solid, uh, percentage against on average, uh, not, not great against living end, almost uh, any of the other tier one decks. I'm not really worried about. Uh, Blue Red Murktide is pretty even. Rhinos is slightly favored. Hammer Time seems heavily favored. Uh, I've gone, I went uh, out of the five matches I played in the PTQ on Friday, I won four of them. Uh, some of them 2 0. So, I, I um, gotta interrupt. It's crazy. You played please. Hammer Time five times in the PTQ. Five times. Mono White, Black White, and Red White. I saw almost every variety. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was pretty wild. Um, uh, Reman is back, four copies in the main deck, and that's because decks like Amulet are are back in force. Uh, also, even decks like Burn. Honest to God, as long as the format has decks playing two mana spells, and then some decks playing three, four, five, and six mana spells, Remand is a card I want to be playing in this deck. Uh, it pushes you in the direction of your combo turns, uh, and it's often super punishing for your opponents. Um uh, even against Luris decks in game one, it's not too bad. Usually shave copies in game two and three if you're against the Luris deck, but uh, Reman against the Luris deck, a lot of the time you get to Reman a Luris, and that's like a time walk against them a lot of the time. They really, some of them are just not going big resource. Um, having the, uh, the, the holy duality of Ren and Six and Teferi Time Raveler, four copies of each. Let me tell you something about this. I've been playing this in Niv-Mizzet, in this deck, in some versions of our uh, four-color Urian, Karn, Urza deck. Ren and Six and Teferi, I mean, that's 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 my kind of game. I just want to play Ren and Six and Teferi. Wow, uh, you're fucked up. Uh, well, you know what? Excuse you, sir, that I don't want to cast any free spells or kill my opponent on turn three. I just want them to hate their life on turn three, um, but but not actually be dead. Uh, I think so. This whenever I mean, this, it gives you great game against almost anything. A little side note: whenever these kind of competitions come up, I just remember something that Ali Warfield tweeted that I think is so true. Is just like you don't hate combo decks; you just don't know when to scoop to control. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's absolutely true. I, I had a, an elves player the other day that scooped on turn three or four after I did something like turn two red and six, turn three fire, turn four to fairy bounce your two drop. And they were just like, "Cool scoop. We're not. We're not winning this one." And Disgusting. it's like, "Yeah, you probably weren't. Like, you could have kept playing it." But uh, <laughs> don't mind me. Just by turn three, I've already gotten two two for ones. Mm -hmm. um, so Prismari Command is infinitely useful in this deck. Prismatic Ending is fantastic in this deck, and you can even go up all the way to five colors uh, since you can get the treasure token off of Prismari Command. Um, 
And uh, we still have the technology here, four copies of Fire Ice from Wafo Tapa. So as I alluded to earlier, this, this current version of the deck is playing three Hard Evidence, two Lightning Bolts, four Prismatic Ending, four Fire Ice, and four Renin Six. That is 17 ways on the play to kill a Ragavan. I love it. So I I also I love the Fire Ice. Uh, that's just super fun. Yeah, Fire Ice is an insane game one card. Insane. Cracked in half. What a great uh, addition from Modern Horizons 2. I, I agree. Act- it's a cube all-star. All right, so Zach, question. I've actually been kind of pondering this a little bit. I kind of want to test Fire Ice and Breach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seems interesting. Like, Did, you know, just, ha- just today I made top 64 in a game where against Jund, uh, I forget exactly how turn one and two set me up for it, but they had two DRCs in play and they didn't flip them, so I fired them both, and then they lost. Yeah. Because you don't recover from losing two DRCs or a Ragavan and a DRC on turn two. Fire is an insane... Like, do you know how many times I wish I could register Forked Bolt in Modern? But I'm like, you can't register Forked Bolt. It's not good enough in scenario X, Y, and Z. Fire sure is. Yep. Fire sure as hell sure is. I mean, my one concern is that most of the time when you're living up mana, it's so you can make a construct. And I feel like ice... Like, fire will be fine, but I feel like the ice half might kind of conflict with the constructs a lot. Especially, you want to use it to tap down your opponent's... Ca- mana and their turn whatever so it's i mean i just need to do it and see like sometimes just i'm just very i'm not even knowing a deck very well i'm still i think people in general are just pretty bad at evaluating cards i probably just have to chuck it in and see what happens you you, you do i mean nobody was playing fire ice when modern horizons 2 came out it was there everyone could have been playing it i was one of the few people i saw playing prismatic ending and guess what i was doing with it i was playing it in my sideboard Yep. As yeah, if it yeah. wasn't good enough for my main deck. Because in Velomachus turns, it wasn't. It wasn't it didn't do a linear thing well enough. It was a sideboard card in that deck. But in these decks it's very much a main deck card. Um, because it helps you win against other mid range and control decks. Uh, to wit, oh my god, Jace the Mind Sculptor's cracked in half right now. Uh, one of the biggest reasons why uh, the blue-white control players are very, very conservative, and almost all of them, unless you're Guillaume Wafotapa, uh, are only playing three colors in their control deck. They cannot prismatic mm. ending your Jace the Mind Sculptor. If you resolve Jace, it's unsolvable for these decks most of the time. Like They have to get a big enough shark in to kill it, or... Uh, one of their creature lands, or it's very, very difficult for them to do. Um, so, uh, just FYI, Jace the Mind Sculptor is good. And then the other thing is, this deck has so many must remove targets for lightning bolts, unholy heats, uh, you know, anything that they have like that. Uh, they often don't have anything left over by the time you resolve Jace, and then you just start brainstorming every turn and. Even if they do resolve it or, or remove it in three turns, four turns, that's just yeah. so much advantage for them to try to beat. Um, especially when you have 12 fetch lands in the deck to shuffle in between every single time you brainstorm. So Jace is back. Uh, Jace has felt great. Uh, don't don't doubt it. Try it. Just try it. Just try it. Yeah, the lo- uh, list looks if you're clean. playing blue white control. Try it, yeah, yeah. It's uh, this deck is this deck is super clean. It it feels very very tight. 
It feels like you have the right amounts of everything, and um, I couldn't be happier about the main deck. The sideboard is still kind of tricky because depending on what matchups you run into, uh, it is a little difficult. You don't really need much help at all against Hammer Time. Uh, so the Cascade decks, Control, Blue Red Murktide, uh, these are the most you know powerful decks in the format. Uh, Jun Sagavan is also again not really a concern. There's just going to be games that they beat you because they you know they top deck a Thoughtseize when you were about to creativity the next turn. But mm-hmm. largely speaking, they don't have a great game against you. And yes, register two rest in peace in your sideboard. I know it's a non-bow with Ren Six. I know it's a non-bow with Ember Cool the Unstorn. And if you have no tolerance for occasionally drawing Sarah's Emissary and or Emrakul in this deck and that being a problem for your creativity, then this is not the deck for you. But these these things are... They happen on a low enough percentage of the time that you can find consistent high-level success. I truly believe that. Yeah, that's I was actually going to ask about the Rest in Peace, so I'm glad you addressed that. But I would also really yeah. like to hear... Um, so you have two Sunset Revelry. This is a new card from mm-hmm. uh, Midnight oh, yeah. Hunt. Um, this is one and a white sorcery. If an opponent has more life than you, you gain four life. If an opponent controls more creatures than you, create two one one white human creature tokens. If an opponent has more cards in hand than you, draw a card. And I remember seeing you play this, I think, very, very early on in test and you were like oh no um what's the the old equivalent um timely yes, reinforcements you're like no timely's better uh-huh. <laughs> and, boomer revelry and, and I, the revelry of the boomers i now see you on the two revelries so i guess you know can you talk a little bit to this card what has made it so impressive or, or worth keeping around as as well i should because again credit where credit is due uh i think it was ting feng wan who is one of the grinders who has picked up this deck in all of its different forms you know all the four color creativity versions he has uh piloted as far as i know and had very nice success with i think he had a uh a super qualifier uh x and two uh so he was within striking distance of top eight uh so his list was one of the places i started most recently and i think he was the first person that i saw who was playing he was playing a copy main deck and a copy sideboard and i said i have to try it you know maybe it's not worse than timely reinforcements um i think it was cave dan who led me down the line of reasoning that said pound for pound card for card timely reinforcement is just better because for your one card you're getting six life and three tokens the big difference here is not the card draw, which you, which you will get a surprisingly large amount of the time. I am shocked by how often you do get the card draw. <laughs> but the more important thing to me is just mana efficiency. Like, sometimes you just need this thing to come down on turn two, or you need double spell on turn four or five uh, to mm. stay in the game and be able to progress your game plan and be able to interact additionally. Modern is so slick and lean right now that that is uh, a surprisingly important pressure point so three mana cards are a tough sell this deck already is clunky enough Uh, (laughs) there will be games you're gonna lose by drawing multiple cards that cost at least four you know sometimes you draw two indomitables and two jaces and and it's just gonna be tough Uh, but if you get far enough in the game you're gonna be great because you have 24 lands and four ren and six so uh, Yum. Yeah. So Sunset Revelry, surprisingly great. Uh, Shark Typhoon, yes, another that card that up. I, yep. I was not a big fan of for a long time. Long time I held out on 
trying it on thinking it was viable uh i'm completely the other direction now it's great against blue white control and it's great against jund uh post board jund almost i I, i've never had this happen so far and i've done it multiple times now sometimes you draw a shark typhoon and you just just hold it for a bit just hold up mana and hold it and if they thought seize you you cycle it if they inquisition you you don't have to and then if you get to six mana play the shark typhoon just play the shark typhoon and they never they don't play they don't play assassin's trophy they they don't play assassin's yep. trophy they play abrupt decay they don't play assassin's trophy because they need to ble- beat the chalices out of blue white and so all of these other metagame factors are influencing this deck's ability to exploit them with certain cards so uh you know it, it does take a certain amount of format knowledge and etc to pilot and sort of prepare and understand these decks well uh i am working on a currently living document for uh indomitable creativity especially sideboarding um and i have been lucky enough uh uh to be somewhat known by uh wafo tapa who has just come to the world of magic streaming Yo, love, uh, he, love, he, waf- man, Waffle, uh, love dude, him. Dude, I, I love this guy. I love this guy. It's currently my favorite Twitch stream to hang out in. Uh, no offense to Mord to Light, who we'll touch on later, but uh, it's just super, super quiet. Uh, he, he has, he has labeled himself as an ASMR stream, uh, which is <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, auto sensory motor response. Is that right, Arun? I don't, I don't know. Sounds right. Sounds good enough but, to me. It's just like it's just super quiet and chill. He's got this like just this very soft voice. Um, he it, he if the chat ever gets more uh, full, I don't know what's gonna happen. But normally right now with like four to six to eight hundred viewers, not that many people chat, and everyone who leaves a message, he will go back and read it very carefully and thoughtfully respond to every message you put. Um, so he's great, and and. It, Again, so he, uh, after my PTQ 5.3, where I just fell short of top eight, he actually downloaded exactly my deck list, and he had it up on his stream, and he said, hey, I checked out your sideboard guide, and I think I disagree with some of your choices. And my immediate response was, great, tell me which ones. <laughs> because I I have a really hard time writing a sideboard guard, guide in the abstract, and then when I'm playing a challenge, when I have stakes on the line, put a gun to my head, and I will make different choices. And I don't even know if they're right at the time. Yep. I really don't. Um, Nobody does. I, I'm fully humble about the fact that I am incapable, uh, but I'm always trying to be better. Um, so this sideboard is not perfectly solved. I don't love the two copies of Alpine Moon because, one, we don't need that much help against Hammer Time, and two, uh, I hate drawing two copies of it against a Saga deck. Um, the problem is you also need a leg up against Tron, uh, which seas. in a wider... Yeah, yeah, Spreading Seas was was something that I actually had in paper because I don't own copies of Alpine Moon. I had hey, a different... Um, me neither. Uh yeah, right. So I, I had a different <laughs> sideboard configuration in paper. Oh, Brian's the, got the it. Problem is, the problem is I can't uh, justify sideboarding Spreading Seas against Hammer Time, personally, because I think I'm going to die. 
by tapping two mana early in the game to shut down the saga and you need to tap down the mana to shut down their saga early if you miss the first construct you're 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 yep. in big trouble yeah uh, at least huge. for this deck you might be um, I think in said, general, huge delta between letting there be one construct and zero con. I've noticed it too. Like if I can get off one construct before they kill deal. my saga, yeah, I'm in a much better place. If my saga's yeah. on one and they get him, like yep. fuck. Yeah, it's a it's a big difference when your opponent uh, plays Alpine Moon and you have a saga in hand versus when that saga resolves. Even on chapter one, it at least gives you a land drop and a mana. Yep. Versus when it goes up to chapter two and you get a land drop and a construct and they, then they had to cast their, their piece of interaction. So it's, I mean, it is like, again, like Ragavan, it's very skewed, right? Like sometimes you play Alpine moon and you don't, you don't ever see a saga. So you don't even know if they drew one, maybe it did nothing where at least with spreading seas, you draw a card if you cast it. So it's, it's tough to yep, yep. come to a final perfect decision about exactly what uh, about these things is great. So uh, with this deck, not the version you're looking at, but I did write a big long Reddit post, which is linked in the show notes, uh, tournament report. I went and played paper. Uh, the tournament report covers everything about that tournament. There's also a video version on my YouTube channel. Um, I went all the way to the finals uh, I played against uh, the one and only Dominic Harvey, who is, uh, I'd like to call him a friend of mine. Um, I've known him for a couple of years now. We've, we cubed together a couple times in, in the same group. So, uh, Dom, if you're listening, uh, get fantastic. at us. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, fantastic human being. One of the sharpest, most incredible magic players I've ever seen in person. Uh Dominic Harvey, I swear to God, he can spot a gameplay error from like 50 yards away. I don't understand how his mind and his ears and his eyes can be this sharp. Um, my one game rule violation of the, that tournament was because Dom went, I don't think you could pay for that because what had happened was uh, my opponent played Spreading Seas and I played Bale of Summer in response, drew my card, my opponent was totally fine with it. Then I fetched my stomping grounds, and then we went to my turn, and then I untapped. And before I drew my card for the turn, it, Dom was like, hey, hold on. Uh, I think you made a mistake. And I looked down, and I went, yes, yes, I did. Judge, I made a mistake. Here is exactly what it was. But, like, he wasn't even playing the game. Damn. He wasn't even playing the game. And both the people in the game missed it. Both of us. Is that I tapped non-green mana to play my Veil of Summer because I was about to fetch green, and my hands got behind my mind. Or however you want to say that. So anyway, Dom's incredible guy. Uh, crushed me in the finals, but luckily we had already determined on a prize split. So, um, <laughs> Love it. And uh, yeah, yeah. And 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 through that uh, tournament day, I played against three blue red Merc Tide players. And I think I want to touch on one of Jiggy's points from earlier with this. It's very important. The one blue red Merc Tide player who beat me was in round one, and he is an incredible human being fantastic grinder just like there's very few people i would be more uh upset about getting paired against in most events because he's just like one of those people you're just like ah oh, i never beat this guy he's just too good uh, he was playing blue red murktide and he did not sideboard in blood moon against me he was the only one of the three who didn't sideboard in blood moon against me and the only one of the three who beat me now i don't know if it's right or wrong i don't know but because blood moon does hose four color creativity very badly in fact it's specifically built currently in a way where you have a hope 
of digging out of a blood moon because you have a basic planes and a basic island which you can fetch you have prismari command and prismatic ending so you can play through a blood moon it's definitely possible but it's not easy you don't want to have to do it but you have to divide that between blue red murktide putting a tempo pressure on you and wanting you to go off early with your combo because if they give you an opening to combo they basically can't solve it they cannot remove an emrakul it's impossible for blue red to remove an emrakul i don't think it can be done uh, and sarah's emissary is a serious speed bump for them uh so it just just like in these high stakes competitive events because we were playing for that top prize ended up being worth something like three thousand uh, dollars it, it it is very interesting to see that there's still a pretty wide margin between the ways people will approach matchups between uh, how people will sideboard and how they think about their gameplay. Um, all to say that Magic is a very difficult game. <laughs> very difficult game. Amen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's tons and tons of resources for this. There is a Discord that I got linked up to, uh, which is called, like, Spaghetti Enthusiasts. Um, so that's been added to my list of Discords that I somewhat participate in. Um, and I have been iterating on and following along with this deck and playing it in competitive events for the last little while, and I can I, I intend to continue to do so because I think it is very, very, very good uh, in the current modern format, and I can't see anything pushing it out other than uh, an overabundance of burn. And uh, you know I, how to play which it. Which I managed to beat today. Yeah, well, and I know how to play it, and it, it just works for me. That's the other thing is, like, the deck just works for me. Yep, yep. I've seen multiple extremely talented streamers that I deeply respect the competitive chops of who have picked it up and been awful with it, and I've seen other players pick it up and 5-0 with it by accident, seems like. Like, they just, they get it, and then they're like, yeah, that that is a good deck. So, uh, if it's not for you, don't worry about it, and if it is for you, welcome to the welcome to the club. Enjoy Woo! flipping spaghetti into play. All right. Well, with that, Zach, why don't you take us out? Oh, I'm taking it out. I'm taking it out because before we record again, there's going to be a huge event here in Toronto. There's going to be the giant face-to-face thing. It's going to be spooky and Halloween-y. And, uh, and I am toasting off this variety, this edition of Bumps and Dumps, baby! Ooh. And I'm toasting it off by saying uh, it is October. Um, one, one streamer that I've, I've been watching uh, has been uh, kicking it with a bunch of horror games, uh, some of which I've played, some of which I haven't. I started watching through a bunch of horror movies, looking for horror movies. So my bumps and dumps are kind of all related to this. So uh, first up, big bumps to two properties that I've been really enjoying right now. Uh, I'm, I'm catching up with the Zoomers on the Squid Game uh, from Netflix which I've been really enjoying, uh, thanks to a recommendation from Blitz Lion MTG, uh, uh, Mill Aficionado. So, uh, Korean show. Uh, if you know Battle Royale or The Hunger Games, it's kind of like a modern version of that, uh, but in a. Uh, I'm including it in my Horror Month link here, so if you like uh, graphic things, uh, enjoy, and if you don't, uh, stay away. It's a Netflix show. <laughs> you should probably know that kind of tone stuff by now. Um, and then the other big bump that I have that, 
you know, I'm, 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 I'm welcome to have people criticize my choice of this one is uh, there is an entire horror movie franchise of four movies uh, referred to as VHS. I don't know if either of you have heard of this. I had never heard of it. Uh, there's a, uh, a website for movie recommendations I check out, and uh, I couldn't actually tell that the, the movie was called VHS 94. I didn't. I thought it was the first one. Turns out it's the fourth one. Go figure. Um, with uh, the idea being that these are horror anthologies. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time is called Heavy Metal, which is a, like a sci-fi fantasy anthology animated movie. I love that movie to death. Uh, I love Sin City, which is an anthology. And so these are all horror anthologies. And three out of four movies are excellent. The first and second and the newest one are great. There's a third one called VHS Viral, which is kind of crap. And one of the biggest reasons it's kind of crap is it abandons the, uh, the, the format that I think that makes it unique and successful, which is four by three grainy, like 360p... Uh, no acting footage that I guess it's sort of reminiscent of the Blair Witch Project uh, a little bit. So if you've ever seen mm. the Blair Witch Project, it kind of has that tone to it. Or uh, there are certain moments in it where it's like the, the, the ring film from the ring, like the, the, the creepy horror moments are like that. But the, the sort of filler in between where you're building up to whatever the horror concept is uh, usually has very sort of real feeling to it. And I know the, the, the two of you are uh, uh, ranging age groups, you know, with me, Arun, you're, you're younger than Brian, Brian, you definitely remember seeing someone you knew had a VHS camera, right? Oh, like when, yeah. when you were growing up, like 100%. a grandfather or something. And you, you see like the, the family footage, of you know you guys at uh, birthdays or and with the with the watermark on screen mm -hmm, that showed you what the mm -hmm. date was and uh this has that kind of feel and uh, a really nice authenticity to it and then you know all of a sudden there's zombies in the background or someone collapses and they're vomiting black stuff or or whatever and it just goes on some horror twist and i think as a larger comment uh anthologies work really well for horror because i watched a few newer horror movies like full hour and a half two hours long and one of the things that i have a problem with with horror is that if if you have a really good concept that's awesome that's like the the awesome part of your movie and then you decided to stretch it out to two hours long <laughs> and somewhere along the way you lost me it was really great for like 45 minutes or to an hour long but you couldn't you couldn't maintain that height of tension and interest or revulsion or whatever it is that drives us to watch these, these kind of films. You just couldn't do it. Like, and people like when you watch a Quentin Tarantino movie, every scene has a great purpose and point to it and, you know, ratchets up the tension or, or, or creates some new mystery or question. And if you can write and direct a horror movie like that, yeah, they're great. But if you can't leave it as a short story, because then your compelling idea gets to sort of develop and be interesting and then end. And then we can move on to the next one and that'll be exciting too. So uh, that, that is one of the reasons why these are great. They're, they're kind of all digestible little short stories. And if you don't like a section, guess what? It'll be over soon. So don't worry about it. Anyone else? <laughs> oh yeah, always. I always have so many. Uh, so let's see. So bumps, uh, always lots of bumps. Definitely bumps to Back to the Gathering. 
you know, CFB Las Vegas I'm really excited for. Uh, also, I've been playing a fair amount of Paper Magic, going on Mondays when I can. Uh, it's a lot of, it's just so nice playing in person, just like in paper, and just your opponent is like, I mean, I'm sure most of the time your opponents on Magic Line are pretty chill people, but it's just so easy to get salty when there's no end to feel like you deserve the win, when you get top decked and your opponent is like this invisible screen. But when you're playing in paper, it's just so much more pleasant. And like, sure, I got crushed by Red White Burn Luris Prowess Hybrid with like Goblin Guide and also Eidolon and Light Up the Stage and Swift Spear and Soul Scar Mage and, you know, like that classic hybrid deck. That was a little fort that they wrecked me. But it, it was nice, you know, still getting to chat with my opponent. Just that they actually told me that they're pretty new to magic and they played in like six big events and that I was the I was the most fun opponent they've ever faced. So that was that was very nice. Good compliment to get, you know, it's just so nice just having the gathering back. Uh, also, huge bump to Mordekaiser, a.k.a. Yeah. Emiliano, yes. uh, for getting second, making the finals of the PTQ today. I think he actually gets the invite because his opponent was uh, is 17, so or is a minor. So there's been a small amount of confusion on this. I think he's getting the invite, but I've seen multiple tweets from people who seem to be or not be the person he played against in the finals, so stay posted for that. Uh, uh, yeah, anyways, second in the PTQ is Nazi with his four-color Yorian pile. You know, I mean, Mord is... Uh, we've talked about a long time ago, we talked about how Mord was, like, great, and, you know, he's up and coming, and this is just validation that, you know, we know what we're talking about, because we know Mord. I do feel like it was just yesterday that Mord and I were arguing in the Niv Discord, but whether or not Niv deck should play Alcrim's Astrolabe, uh, this was like right after Modern Horizons 1 came out. This was a long time ago. And we were I had to convince people after our 5 out in the Nib Discord that yes, we as a five color tech should be playing Astrolabe. Like it's once again, people are better at evaluating cards. Much to his credit, Mord was definitely one of the first people who, you know, believed me and played it himself and then helped to spread the gospel. So you know, just all general patterns of Mord being pretty awesome. So super, super, super happy for him. Mucho credit to Mord. Uh, you know, uh, bumps to the vaccine. I got my booster. Uh, and, you know, if you're able to, I think it it varies between states and, you know, all their requirements. But if you're able to get a booster, I definitely highly recommend it. Uh, you know, it does, you'll, it just, it's essentially, it's all, you know, how much risk are you willing to accept? And if you have a booster, it means you are less likely to get it and less likely to be an asymptomatic spreader. And if you get it, you're less likely to have a severe reaction. So it's just, you know, like, it's not something that you necessarily need, but it, it is, it is good if you can get it. I do highly recommend getting it. And the last thing is uh, bumps to bento boxes. I've started making them for my, you know, for my own lunch, also my fiance's lunch. And they're super fun and cute, you know, like cute little dishes you get to arrange and like the pretty colors and the patterns. And I just started them like a week ago, so I'm still very new. Uh, but it's very fun and you know, it's just a little thing, you know, you get to, I guess maybe even almost seems like another art slash hobby where it's, you know, just like, the better I get at it, you know, the more I have a little recipe book that tells me, you know, this is how you can arrange them. Like, there's some small dishes. But, you know, as I get more of it, I can start kind of creating my own bento recipes and I can mix and match in my own ways. And the storage and the meal prep is all, you know, things that I still need to learn and still need to get better with. So I'm just very excited and they're a lot of fun. And, you know, they make me, they're cute. You know, you get all these. <laughs> Why would you want to have a sandwich for lunch when you can have four dishes with two sides hey, and a dessert? That does sound good. Yeah. Sign me up. Oh. All right, Brian, all you.
Uh, Take us away. I am just gonna give uh, a bumps. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow in your footsteps and give a bumps to Mord. Um, I think if you haven't checked out his stream, you should totally check that out. He's uh, twitch.tv slash Mord Too Light. Um, if you haven't seen him play, then it I don't know. It, watching him play is just is something else. Um, I think he's just he's he's an intuitive player in a way that that really impresses me and uh i'm always in awe <laughs> um and i'm you know good for him he's getting out there and uh he's he's turning his uh his dreams into reality so kudos um other than that um you know I don't, I don't really have a whole lot. Uh, things are, are generally pretty good. Uh, it seems like it may have just rained a little bit outside. Um, I went outside, I, I realized my, my sun umbrella was up and it was pretty windy, so I went out to go lower it uh, while we were taking a little break here, and I slipped on my deck and almost fell because it was wet. And we have not had rain in so, Woo! so long. So if it's actually raining, big old bumps to that, and I hope it continues for the next six months we need it amen I'm, uh, I'm a no dumps kind of guy this week so no dumps dumps to dumps nice respect world's too beautiful for dumps damn it exactly <laughs> all right well uh good one guys yeah good place to call it and we will have updates maybe playing some challenges uh, if anyone is, you know, if anyone have, who's listening to this is going to CFB Vegas, definitely jump in our Discord or, you know, hit us on Twitter or whatever. I would definitely love to meet up with you uh, and, you know, just like chill or just even, I don't know, just it's a lot about the gathering and the Discord, the community we built on Discord, I'm very happy with is, you know, just like a bunch of really good people throwing ideas around uh, and it'd be super cool to meet anyone to be willing to be part of that, you know, in person and you get to share bad beat stories between rounds, or you get to cheer for each other, or you get to, you know, you finish your match early, and you get to go watch over their shoulder, and, you know, like, how they do and how they play, and, like, look their opponents at, and it's just, uh, some of my best memories from playing Magic are specifically, like, road tripping at two tournaments with a whole bunch of friends, and, like, sharing a hotel, and staying up way too late playing Magic online, when you have a tournament early in the morning tomorrow, and you wake up groggy as hell, and, like, eat a shitty breakfast, and go to the tournament, and it just... So, you know, chill with each other during the rounds and yeah, just so much fun. And so I'm very, I'm super, super, super excited to get to do that again. And like I said, you know, if anyone listening wants to meet up or, you know, between rounds, chill in Vegas, etc., uh, hit us up or at least hit up the pod, general podcast. Uh, I will definitely be there. I don't, I think Brian won't and Zach is most likely not, but maybe miracles happen. You never, you I never mean, know. I mean, depends on how much we get for that uh, AFR ampersand set. Uh, if if uh, if it's uh, more money than I'm thinking, then you never know. Uh, sometimes, but I, I've heard that I gotta get my nasal cavities scrubbed multiple times on the way down and back, so that's less appealing. <laughs> that's a big uh, yikes a for foreigner. Me, dog. Yeah, that being a foreigner. <laughs> means that I gotta get uh, COVID tests going in and I think going back so it's uh, oh Jesus yeah it's <laughs> I was... like not super appealing uh, so yeah I, I got one COVID test I did not expect it to hurt that much it's terrible yeah I imagine that it is and like uh, for me uh, I'll be going to probably both days of face to face open in Toronto and then maybe mm. I've never been to Montreal and in Quebec so it's it's possible we could go there 
um, uh, <laughs> hop a train or whatever. I, I think I know people who are going to be going, so that, that make it a lot easier. So uh, that 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 is a possibility. Uh, it's coming up soon, so I should figure that out uh, if I am doing that. But uh, I guess we're uh, <laughs> already here to wrap up and wrap out and roll out. So. Uh, I guess if you're heading into the the modern queues and the modern leagues, don't be afraid to uh, get creative and uh, show other people that breaching makes you feel good. Hell yeah. All right. Have a good one, guys. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to episode 28 of the Serum Visions podcast. If you like what we do and want to get in touch with us, you can find us at twitter.com slash serumvisionsmtg. Email us at serumvisionspod at gmail.com or join us on Discord from the link in the episode description of your podcast player or at serumvisions.podbean.com. clicked on like on like two maybe you said click and i was like oh shit that's what i was supposed to do <laughs> you'll be fine you'll be fine nobody nobody will be able to tell it'll be fabulous